the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead and Friday the 13th, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Brains, Tina! Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, starring Andrew Dice Clay, Lauren Holly, and Wayne Newton. Welcome to another unbelievable episode of Podcasting After Dark. <laughs> I'm your host, Zach Schaefer, and joining me as always is my bodaciously beautiful co-host, Corey Stevenson. Corey, what's happening? <laughs> Suzuki Samurai, you Bensonhurst piece of shit. <laughs> Spam? Spam? That's oh, what God. I think of you. That's what, that's what I think of you. That's what I call you. Guys and gals, you're in for a treat today. This quite possibly could be our raunchiest episode ever, purely based on quoting lines from the movie we're about to talk about. And the movie we're about to talk about today is a close personal favorite of both Corey and I. It is the Andrew Dice Clay 1990 film, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Oh! Oh! <laughs> it's it's such a close personal film to both of us, to the fact that we almost fought over, like, who was going to be the one <laughs> to do it, and or, or uh, show run it, I should say. And so technically, this is Zach's pick, and I both hate you and love you for it. <laughs> I hate you because, dude, seriously, when, when I pitched Podcasting After Dark to you, in my head, like, hardware and the adventure of Fort Fairlane were just like already there in oh, my head. <laughs> but I love you because I didn't have to track it and I just sat there and just got to watch it and enjoy the movie. <laughs> oh my God, I loved it. So thank you for giving me the best gift you could possibly give me as your co-host, which was <laughs> to just let me enjoy this film. And so thank you for that. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. I will say... The backstory on all of this was, you know, going into choosing, selecting movies each month is always a lot of fun for both of us. And I don't know why, but this was before you had posted something on Instagram, uh, the booty time uh, Ed O'Neill <laughs> clip. I was already thinking about Ford Fairlane. I don't know why. I, I wanted to do a comedy and an action movie, and I I just got this, like, bug up my butt. And I said, th- I said, this is, this is the movie I want to do. And coincidentally, or no coincidences, like it was in the universe, you had posted something and I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's going to have fun because I'm a, and I ordered that shit and I sent it to you like right, right around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the rest is history. This movie is, uh, hard to find. It's, it's not in print anymore. And that it's was, a- 
That was yeah, honestly what was sort of barring me from suggest like sending it to you a few months ago. Because yeah. like sort of in the reverse, I got a bug in my butt thinking like, you know what, if I can't get the Blu-ray copy, because I have a nice little podcasting after dark library over here, and I'm not yeah. gonna lie, the, the Ford Fairlane uh DVD does kind of stick out. I like things <laughs> <laughs> to kind of be the same height. Uh and there is no good version uh of this out there on Blu-ray that I could find or at least like Amazon, you know, like like I there might be one out there, but it might be uh, used or something. Um, anyways, you know, I'm looking for like the Arrow version, you know, like yeah. the big collector's edition, even yeah. like a Vestron or something, like one of those levels. And so, you know, I kind of just put it into the back of my head, but because it was in my head, I did that booty time gif on uh instagram like a couple months ago to test the waters to see like what people thought of it and we got a really good reaction from people and then i i posted a couple things uh this week on my own personal instagram and man i am getting blown up for about this movie (laughs) and in a good way like everyone's like quoting it and i was like holy shit so so Zach, since Zach's show running it, he's going to give us the lowdown on why it's important to him. I'll just do mine now. Uh, this was a big movie within like our friend group uh, back in high school, and I gotta say, I'm not like I would never say I'm a huge. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay fan. I okay. never really watched any of his stuff as a kid. I don't really, you know, seek him out now or anything. And it's weird because Ford Fairlane, this movie is honestly, and and rewatching it confirmed it. It's in my top ten favorite movies of all time. And oh yeah. And maybe if you said that to me a couple of years ago, I might not have considered it, or I would have said like top twenty or something. Ditto. But yeah. but man, like. I love this movie. <laughs> this uh, shit. This is my fucking review. I love this movie, but uh, but like <laughs> done. It was, it was done. It's over, guys. But yeah, dude, it was um, you know, rewatching it, just just all the quotes, and I totally just forgot how many things I just randomly say in my head that like <laughs> comes from this. I mean, things I know. Like I'll just randomly like if I'm checking my hair, I'll go my hair, my hair, my hair. <laughs> you know, and it's just like. Everything about this movie is is quotable, and it's important to me for the biggest reason. And forty two year old Corey can can admit this. It's embarrassing, but I can admit this: the adventures of Ford Fairlane was one of the reasons. Sadly, one of the big reasons that I moved to Los Angeles. This movie was that influential on me as a kid. Wow. When a buddy of mine went to L.A. to go visit. Uh, UCLA as like a school right after high school so uh, to go to so it was like you know like 97 I think 97 98 something like that and we had uh, we stayed at the UCLA campus first time I'd ever been to LA and like 10 or so years before I was ever going to move there and me and my buddy (laughs) we we had a free day to walk around uh, Hollywood and whatnot our number one thing was to go see Crossroads of the Worlds just for those chicks (laughs) those fat chicks (laughs) chicks <laughs> so like i can't even i have a hard time i'm like i want to i want to inject everything i feel about this movie into everyone's brains right now yeah all i can say is uh, it's it's i love it i loved it as a kid or you know yeah pretty much loved it as a kid loved it in high school uh i didn't watch it for a while kind of like when i was in la it was what brought me to la but for some reason uh, la kind of hit hard times for me so i kind of was like i don't want to look at this but yeah. i will say this i did get a chance to see it 
um, at the at the uh, at the Egyptian. I did get a chance to see it at the Egyptian with Andrew Dice Clay there in the crowd to you know do That's some Q and A afterwards. That's amazing. So and then finally, before you jump into it, Zach, I for some reason. You picking this movie has been just propelling us into this new, like, love for it and, and also, like, realizing that we both loved it. I know that you and I had mentioned in our friendship that we love this yes. movie. But for some we reason, I, I, I always think of you, like, when I think of you, I think of the Warriors. I think of, like, Prince of Darkness. I think of stuff like that. Like, Ford Fairlane never sort of come, doesn't really come to my mind. Um, but you love this movie just as much as I do. Yeah, I... I was a huge Dice fan from the moment he came on the scene Uh, in like 1989, 90. I was in, well, no, yeah, 1989, I was in junior high and he, his first two live comedy albums had come out and I had those on cassette. I used to ride my bike to school, listening to Dice Clay on cassette over and over again. And it was the perfect age. You know, I was, I was hitting puberty. I was, uh, my older brother, Eric, who I mention all the time, shout out to Eric. You know, we, we were watching raunchy stuff at home. The humor was always, it was like, you know, fart, dick jokes, fart jokes, whatever. And Andrew Dice Clay, like, appealed to that Beavis and Butthead mentality of mine. Like, oh, yeah, you know, he's making these jokes all the time. And it was right before, it was right right when I discovered, like, what raunchy humor was all about. And so I'm listening to his cassette tapes over and over again, obsessed with them. I thought he looked cool with his hair and his oh, yeah, totally. leather jacket <laughs> and then just the dice logo. And I thought it was badass. It's probably why I got in major trouble in middle school, uh, for just, you know, writing dirty notes on lockers and getting busted by the vice principal. That's a whole other story. Uh, but you know, I think one of the reasons why was because I was exposed to so much raunchy humor. Mm-hmm. And I think what also appealed to me was the fact that everybody, who was prim and proper hated him. You know, he had like Tipper Gore and the the Mothers of America or whatever that was. Um, the same people who brought the parental advisory stickers on uh, uh, rap albums and stuff. They were like vehemently against him and wanted him like banned from TV. He got banned from MTV temporarily. Um, which he mentions in this, which kind yeah, of you know yeah, dates yeah, it. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, here even there's so much in this movie that's dated, but that's what's so much so fun about it. Yeah. And so this movie came out. I remember when it came out. Uh, I saw it opening night at the Meridian Quad in San Jose, California, and uh, I remember leading up to it, there was protests everywhere. You know, all these moms picketing, and you know he's offensive and like don't support this person. I, I was anticipating protesters being at the movie theater when I showed up. There weren't. No. Uh, but because, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's San Jose. And um, I loved it from beginning to end. And I think when it when it came out on VHS at Suncoast, I bought it and watched it over and over again and over again. And probably watched it so many times that I got kind of bored of it at, at a certain point. Um, and so I hadn't watched it in years. Yeah. And then now watching it again, I was just propelled. I was like, I think I love this movie more now than I did, you know, back in the day. 
Dude, <laughs> me too. And it's funny because I think we entered this movie. <laughs> that's what she said. Um, I think we came at this movie from uh, when it first came out from two different angles. You were already a Dice fan. I kind of probably didn't discover this until I'd say like ninety three, maybe ninety four, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, you know, so I didn't. I wasn't like a, like I said, I wasn't a big Dice fan, but you and I had kind of the same love affair with it where we kind of broke away from it for like 10 years or so because, I don't know, maybe we grew up or something or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times in these movies, we circle back around to them and sometimes they're not as great as you remember. Uh, You know, like (laughs) Moontrap might be one of those movies or or Cyborg, you know. But uh, this one... Cyborg for sure. Yeah, let's go with Cyborg. How about that? This one is the exact opposite of Cyborg. It was better than yeah. I ever remembered it being. I totally and, agree. And I got to say, the entire time I was watching the movie last night, uh, it took me probably three hours to watch an hour and a half movie. <laughs> and not because I was taking that many notes, which which I kind of was, because I was freaking texting Zach every two yeah. minutes. And I was like, just quote after quote. And I was like, and I was like, okay, I'm done now. And then like 10 minutes later, I texted him. I'm like, just kidding. I'm no, back, baby. More. <laughs> there's more. Yeah, dude, I, I was, I felt the same way. I, I, I would... I have my head down writing notes and, and and I had such a great recall on this movie that I knew what was happening right it was as it was happening oh, yeah. but I rewound it just to watch it again cuz I'm like no 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 I have to see this scene fully yeah uh, and like exactly like the scene where Ed O'Neill's grabbing his dick and he's like you know you got to <laughs> I got to they got to cream for that Clear or something that like that yeah, we'll know, get into dude. that but um really briefly let's kind of break down the movie uh and kind of go over the the principles it's it's directed by rennie harlan which and we as... which we love from prison <laughs> baby well, i texted you and i'm like dude it's our second rennie harlan movie this is we might have to get him on the show i know um, i was gonna say i think this is i i think right now this is the second director we've done right we don't have yep. any other twofers i think at this point i don't point. think so i don't think so um no it, it, it will it, happen of course but but rennie harlan is our first one and if you asked me a year ago on podcast <laughs> after dark what our first twofer director would be i never would have guessed it was rennie harlan yeah no no offense to rennie harlan yeah, uh, we love I, him. I, I there was a there was a bulk of movies that i was not a huge fan of but if you go down his resume i'm just going to shout out a couple of my favorites of his die hard 2 for sure fuck yeah uh, but but my all-time in prison obviously um, but my all-time favorite Rennie Harlan movie is Cliffhanger with Stallone, and I think it's actually one of the best uh, action movies of the '90s. And I will fight my—I will fight you to the grave on that bad boy. Uh, my my thoughts on on Cliffhanger are: I think I rem- I remember loving that movie, so I would love to revisit it. But I haven't seen it in god 20 years 15 years something like that but i'm yeah. with you dude i freaking loved that movie when it came out and man yeah. i love die hard too and i love prison and man i had a fun time with cutthroat island screw it i don't care i'll say it it was a fun I, movie it shouldn't have ruined his career yeah i don't get i don't get i'm sure there's a reason behind it and if we get him on the show uh we'll i'm sure we'll find that out because he's he's making a lot of movies overseas now yeah and probably probably because he has a lot more freedom. He was a hot ticket for a while after, especially after cliffhanger came out. And then, you know, obviously things changed, but, yeah. um, but Rennie Harlan is the man in, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to f- cover one of the writers of the movie. Uh, even though there's, there's two credited, but Daniel waters, uh, well, James cap or Cape, uh, co-wrote it with Daniel waters and Daniel waters wrote Heather's mm. Hudson Hawk, and Batman Returns. That's huge. 
That's like, awesome. That's a huge name. I love Hudson Hawk personally. I think that's another like guilty pleasure movie where it, it's way better than it's it's an underrated film. It just got trashed when it came out because the plot was kind of lame. But yeah, it is what it is. Um, obviously, the lead actor is the Dice Man, Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> the Dice Man, baby. The Dice Man. I mean, like in the eighties, in the nineties, he got his start in movies like uh, Pretty in Pink. He had a fun role in that movie and he had like side roles here and there but then you know really this movie was when he was at the peak of his career and then he kind of like went downhill making a lot of straight to dvd movies uh brain smasher love story which is not a very good movie but it is directed by albert pune so i'll give it that oh okay hey i've (laughs) seen brain smasher and um i fucking hated that movie from top to bottom it had the worst soundtrack i'd ever heard in my life some lady singing was it's it it was terrible it was absolutely terrible and uh yeah Yeah. i mean like like that's why i say like honestly i don't i love andrew dice clay i guess but i really just love ford fairlane yeah i mean he like i will go back a little bit he he was in movies like uh he had he had these kind of standout cameo appearances in like private resort and making the grade and um he was in casual sex and uh which is a fun like you know late 80s sex comedy uh and then he was on crime story crime story is like where he was really badass because he had i think he had like he was on like 17 or 18 episodes of that show oh cool if you haven't if you haven't seen crime story it's a michael mann produced uh tv show which is like the chicago version of miami vice Mm. it's uh, it's badass. It's got a great cast. I'll save that for another story, um, for another episode. Yeah, he was in like yeah, Brain Smasher is not very good. Uh, he was just in a in a slew of kind of cheese ball straight to video movies. But then like things changed for him as time went on. He had a sitcom that was really good. Uh, he was in a Woody Allen movie, whether you like Woody Allen or not. And just recently he was in A Star is Born, and everyone was raving how good he was in that. Because the guy is a really good actor. Um, In a roundabout way, I have a connection to Dice, so that would be cool if we could possibly get him on the show. Who knows? Dude, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) From my mouth, the gods, the universe's ears. But, um, But yeah, he's a really, really, really good actor. And the reality is his shtick is a shtick you know and and it's great like he he was able to he was a a pivotal force for like what was acceptable and not acceptable on television and to be that to be that guy he was like the howard stern of tv and we'll get to the howard stern connection later um but anyways besides andrew dice clay (laughs) wayne newton is in the movie (laughs) if you don't know who wayne newton is he's a vegas guy he's a vegas act yeah yeah uh i outside of ford fairlane acting wise i know him from being in best of the best part two um which is a which is the Mortal Kombat sequel to the original Best of the Best. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, and he plays a slime ball in that too. He plays a slime ball in this. Priscilla Presley, if you don't know who she is, she's Elvis Presley's ex former wife. Yeah. Um, from Naked Gun, obviously. People know her from that. And this is when she was at the height of her career. Morris Day is in it. Morris Day is a um he's a he's a he, I mean, he's good. It was good buddies with Prince. Morris Day in the time was a funk band. Yeah, I, phenomenal honestly, funk band. And I know Morris Day from this movie. He plays Don Cleveland in this, and 
<laughs> You've got to shave when you leave the house in a dress like that, and I don't mean, don't your, mean legs. your legs. <laughs> oh. In my opinion, one of the best lines. But... Oh, I say, yeah. I still say. I mean, I say that in my head at least once a week. <laughs> like if I see somebody, but yeah, I know him from uh, from this. But through you know, and then I've, he was in uh, Purple Rain too. Purple Rain, but yeah. he has that that him and his partner or whatever uh, singing partner had that dance that they do. Yes, where their feet sort of kick out, and uh, I love it. It's always fun. But he's he's fantastic in this movie for the you know the not major role that he has. He's uh, great, he's, and and every guy every role in this movie is is important in some way. But because I'll get to the uh, I'll get to that in a second. I'll I'll come back to that. But yeah. really quick, I just want to say yeah. Dice plays Ford Fairlane. Wayne Newton plays Julian Grendel. Priscilla Presley plays Colleen Sutton. Like uh, Sleazy C said, Morris Day plays Don Cleveland. Lauren Holly, who many people would know her from uh, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's been in a shit ton. Dude, I had the hugest crush on Jazz. She yeah. looked so you know. hot with her with her eighties <laughs> hair. I mean, it, yeah, this movie came out in nineteen ninety, so you got to figure they filmed it probably in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. But I mean, it was her hair is eighties apocalypse in this, and it looks great. She looks amazing, and she's funny, and she's she's a great actress. It's it's awesome. But yeah. I, yeah, middle school me, you know, or early high school Corey, and even now I had a huge crush on jazz. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give a little disclaimer right away on the outset. Corey and I are gonna be this this will not be this is definitely a Me Too movement not episode yeah. because we're gonna be like she's hot, she's so hot, and I, you know, yeah, like we're and, gonna and, be talk, talking about that because let's be honest, this was at the height of like this is a. It's it's dice, so you're gonna hear a lot of shit on this episode that's maybe offensive to you. And if it is, we apologize. But you know, from the first episode in of this of our entire series, we talked about we're gonna be reviewing movies that we're not allowed to watch. Yeah. My mom was like, "You do, you will not listen to Andrew Dice Clay. Mm-hmm. You will not listen to you know uh, Sam Kinison." And I went to the warehouse and bought it. You know, when she wasn't around, I'm like, "Mom, can I have some money?" And then next thing you know, I'm getting the tapes. That's um, right. And for a movie what, that has no nudity in it uh this probably will be a a, a raunchy episode and to kind of piggyback to what you're saying yeah it's this movie was definitely a product of its time and honestly you can look at through you can look at it through a 2020 lens and it's not going to be fun so we're just going to look at it through a 1990 lens and more importantly through the age that we sort of discovered (laughs) this at you know so i'm sorry but yeah jazz jazz Fucking hot man, yeah. Love she jazz. was super hot, and and like she was like the redheaded Brigitte Nielsen almost because with that hairstyle, yeah. Um, and yeah, Lauren Holly, great actress, and it's a shame that she doesn't really hasn't done a lot in a in in, in yeah. a few years. Um, Maddie Corman plays, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, one of the best names in the in the movie. <laughs> Zuzu Petals. Zuzu, and- <laughs> look at that. Zuzu, it's all messed up. Zuzu Petals is, uh, I mean, I remember her from the movie uh, Some Kind of Wonderful. She played Eric Stoltz's sister in that movie. That's a great um, 80s teen drama mm-hmm. and highly recommended if you haven't seen it. it's It ranks up there with the greats, Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, yada, yada, yada. She plays Zuzu Petals. Gilbert Godfrey oh, he's great. <laughs> plays he's Johnny great. Crunch. Originally, 
Howard Stern was considered for the role of Johnny Crunch. And, and clearly Johnny Crunch's character is based on a Howard Stern template. Or I guess totally. at the time it is just Howard Stern. And Howard Stern created the template almost. Yes. It was the shock jock. And I don't care who says, oh, man cow or uh, whoever the fuck you want to reference in regards to being on the radio. There, Howard Stern was yeah. and still is the only shock jock out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Gilbert Godfrey plays Johnny Crunch, the the shock jock DJ. And then we get to one of my favorite <laughs> character actors of all time. Oh, I know. Y- y'all know if if you know the Warriors is my favorite movie, you got you're gonna you know who I'm talking about. David Patrick Kelly yep. of the Warriors, of the Crow, yep. of Commando, of Dreamscape. He <laughs> plays Sla- Sam the Sleazebag. Um, he's phenomenal. Like, he's great. He's great. And, and yeah. it, he's he's awesome. Uh, we are definitely going to be doing Commando at some point. Yes, I loved him in that. I love him in The Crow. For me, he will oh. he'll probably always be Sam the Sleazebag first for me because this is where I sort of was introduced to him. I was not a big Warriors fan, much to Zach's chagrin. I've actually only ever seen that movie once, and it was wow. with Zach. Uh, so he that was never my guy for, or never my movie for him. But I always knew him from this and then from The Crow crow fire it up fire oh my god it up. yeah i mean the, the crow may or may not ever make it on our on our show but if you don't know what the crow is you haven't seen it you should and, just go on and buy it because it's yeah, amazing and, and if we don't ever do it on the show i can confirm because i watch it like every halloween <laughs> it holds up so well and yeah you i, I buy the blu-ray because it is beautiful it's a beautiful, beautiful. movie and you want those deep blacks in in the blu-ray and speaking of which if you're into like the retro look as we are um, I think Walmart years ago put out a Blu-ray edition of The Crow, but it is in a VHS slipcover oh, box. Oh, cool. Okay. And so you can pick it up on eBay for like 10 bucks or something. So just to have the slipcover looks really cool. Um, Brandon Call plays uh, the kid. He, it's funny because I'm like, he's got to have a name, right? No, it's just the kid. Um, just kid. He's a child actress. or actress. <laughs> He's a child. <laughs> he's, he's a little girl. Uh <laughs> <laughs> he's a he, he's a child actor he was i knew him from a great um rucker Hauer film called blind, blind fury, fury. <laughs> yeah fuck yeah dude like the, and he was on step by step though the tv show just in a shit ton of random stuff back in the day but uh he's great in this uh and, and a couple more people uh, robert england plays smiley yes. originally yes. smiley was supposed to be played by billy idol uh, but oh. Billy Idol had a tr- uh, almost near fatal motorcycle accident, and he had to pull out of the movie. And, and, uh, and we, because the movie features Cradle of Love, yes. which anytime I hear that movie in my head, the scene is playing, even if like I'm in the car or something. So I love that song. Uh, so that makes sense. So so they were going to actually they got the song and they were going to get him, and that's also like why he has an accent. So I guess Robert England yes. was like, "All right, I'll I'll keep the hello hello hello," you know, <laughs> yeah, like this kind of Cockney British accent going on. And he's great. It's, it's Robert England. It's Freddy Krueger. Uh, need I say more? No. Right. Um, and then Ed O'Neill plays Lieutenant <laughs> Lieutenant Anus, uh, sorry Amos, <laughs> yeah, but he Lieutenant he's called Amos. Anus through the whole thing, and, and you'll find out soon why. Um, but yeah, he Ed O'Neill. It's like he's he's married with children. I know I, I loved him in the movie Dutch, yeah. uh, which is another which was uh, Chris Columbus I think directed that or produced it. Anyways, Ed O'Neill's Ed O'Neill. He's great. And then there's guest appearances by Vince Neil, Sheila E. Um, 
I feel like, yeah. Yeah, yeah Vince uh, Neil and Chili. Uh, almost like, uh, and, and, but I mean, there's also like some first appearances too, like Carrie Wurr. Oh, uh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, like yeah, her yeah. second movie in this, dude. This and is, like, yeah. I loved her in, and I loved her in Anaconda. Um, so yeah, so she was, she was great. So it, it, she was in it, and then guys. Uh, should I say it now or should I save it? Uh, one of the two, one of the two uh, hitmen, the blonde yes. with the with the long hair. Yes. Do you know what else he's from? No. He was the guy who gets his dick shot off in RoboCop. Oh shit! Oh great, great, uh, <laughs> yeah. great, yeah. fucking fine, dude. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, dude. You wow. know the, okay. the one where he says, uh, what, "Are you guys? Are you guys a band?" He's like, "What are you named?" He's like, "Paid." You know that? <laughs> yeah, guy, yeah, the, the yeah, the, dude. I, yeah. I just refer to them as the trenches. Yeah. Uh, well, but, actually, in IMDb, they call them Punk Gunslinger. Punk that's Gunslinger. Actually, that's actually kind of a cool name. That is that is pretty badass, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there, there's a, a couple of little references we may make as the as the movie goes on. But yeah, I was going to say two Curry were at the time. What's that? I said a couple. There's going to be a thousand references. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, Kari Wu at the time was in on on the MTV show Remote Control. She mm. was the um, the the co-host. Yes, and that's what I remember her from. And then she had a little augmentation done, and that kind of boosted her career. Yep, that happens. <laughs> I mean, let's, that, let's. I mean, she again, looked amazing, folks. Uh, back sorry. in 1990. So yeah, I yeah. Mean, so let's jump into this shit. Let's just uh, let's 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 get into this bad boy. There's, I mean, there's not much more to say. You know, it's funny. You go into the like the little fun fact trivia's about this thing, and people are like, "Oh, Andrew Dice Clay was you know drove this person nuts," and it's like, uh, "Yeah, but you know what? This this was a huge budgeted summer blockbuster film that came out, and uh, fuck it, let's just let's just, let's just do the thing." star is dead a groupie has disappeared and millions are missing i think that somebody's trying to rip my company off those were his kind of odds his name ford fairlane Bill and Bob, is that like what you do, huh? A detective who's so smooth. What is it they call you? Precocious. Combustion of both. He's aerodynamic. Same. <laughs> cool. Everyone knows him. Hey, you're that guy. The private eye. You're a poet and didn't know it. Oh. Everyone owes him. Take this for it. Well, money's fine, really. Any cash, moolah, wampa, dead presidents, Michael Jackson, Gerald Ford. See, that's the difference between a great investigator like me and a piece of spam like you. Spam. And nothing they say. You're a piece of spam. That's what I think of you. Can throw him. Mr. Fairlane, when I was 11, I walked in on my father and the Shetland pony he gave me for my 10th birthday. Does that excite you? I don't know. I never met your father. But this <laughs> case can put him back. I don't need money. In the black. I need questions answered. Question number one. Can I have some money? But when you're beat is the music business. Let me see this check around. Is this a trick question? You keep notes. On everyone. Got you. Priscilla Presley. Who? I wouldn't trust that babe as far as I could bowl her. Ed O'Neill. Booty time. Booty time. Robert England. <laughs> Tone Loke. Gilbert Gottfried. Sheila E. And Wayne Newton. What? Yes. 
Wayne Newton. And I gotta defeat him, baby. Oh, he seems nice. Andrew Dice Clay. Oh! Is Ford Fairlane. Delay drive is main. In a movie That's so hot. Got something cooking in the microwave? Get out! You'd better bring protection. No Maybe it was just a pot pie. Ford Fairlane. Are you mad? No, I'm ecstatic. Coming in July to theaters everywhere. Okay, so I must preface this also by saying it is this is a this is definitely an homage to detective movies. It's a detective movie. It's it's a whodunit mystery, and uh, it plays out like those classic fifties and sixties pulp type films. Um, it opens with Dice narrating on the beach. And uh, he's he and he's like you know they call me the rock and roll detective and uh, <laughs> says you can suck my dick Tracy. <laughs> then he's like I got the power to get in the hottest hottest circles, the hottest bands, the hottest chicks. <laughs> I know? love it. So he's he's narrating like why he kind of who he is in life and uh, and then he says I got a case of the black plague because he talks about how. He's uh, investigating the death of a famous rock and roll singer, and it cuts to a concert, which is, I think it's supposed to be the Hollywood Bowl, but it looks like it was filmed, I'm thinking, like, in the Red Rocks in yeah, Utah. Yeah, I think that's the famous Red Rocks in Arizona or something. Okay, Arizona. Is that what it is? Okay. I thought it was in Utah, but... Okay, um, okay. Uh, or Colorado, even. I think there's a Red Rocks... <laughs> There's a Red Rocks everywhere nowadays. But, but I love how he says, what's up, L.A.? Yeah, because it's clearly not... And I remember as a kid watching that scene and going like, whoa, I want to go to that concert place. And then coming to L.A., I'm like, where the fuck's the Red Rock place? <laughs> you yeah, know? that doesn't exist at all. Yeah, I mean, but... I will say this. Everything else about the movie is really very L.A.-centric. Yes. But yes. that was – this is the one thing that's really not. And it almost makes you wonder that they should have just had him not just have that voiceover. Just don't have him say that and everything would have been okay. Yeah, I was totally fine with with the fact that it, it was clearly shot somewhere, and no one else, no, only people that know LA would know that that's not a a real place. But yeah. you know, it is what it is. But yeah, it uh, starts with Vince Neil yelling. It's Vince Neil playing Bobby Black, and he kind of uh, what is that? What do you call that? Um, Come zip lines, zip lines down to the stage from from the from the big mountaintop. And he he gets set on fire, but it turns out it's a it's a like a mannequin that gets set on fire. It's all part of the act. Yeah, it's all stunt. And yeah, he's playing his song. Um, uh, oh God, I have to, I have to I have to reference this song because this is another key component to this movie is the soundtrack because the soundtrack is so fucking good. Um, I just have to say, oh, it's called Rock and Roll Junkie. That's yeah. right. And uh, yeah, and, and oh, and I also have to point out the band yellow does the soundtrack to this movie. And if you don't know who yellow is, they're mostly known for the song in Ferris Bueller's day off the, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. That's mm-hmm. yellow. Bow, bow. Uh, they also did a soundtrack for a TV show called, um, Oh, with starring shadow Stevens of all people back in the day. Uh, and I forget the name of the show, but he was like a private detective and yellow did the theme song shadow Stevens. If you don't know who he is, he was the voice of Hollywood squares. Like oh, okay. an announcer got his own show as a detective. Yeah. All that's right. Trip. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Um, there's going to be a lot of that random shit going on. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyways, next thing you know, uh, Bobby black is performing a song and then he starts choking, falls on the ground. He dies. 
cut back to Ford Fairlane and he's on his way to a club to check in on the the fanatic redheaded fan. Yeah. And, and you're not that, sure who that is. Isn't that club like City Hall downtown or something? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, not dude. a club. It's like a building, like the Sears building or something. Yeah, it, I think it might have been, I think like the Roosevelt Hotel at one point was under construction. It might have been that place. Or, okay. It looks like a giant building no it doesn't look like a yeah. dance club doesn't look like, yeah. but i love i love the name of it it's called club greed yeah <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> total 80s man total fucking 80s yeah greed <laughs> and 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 ford fairlane pulls up in his ford fairlane which yeah. is oh my god it's just a beautiful car and you know he, he he's got his jacket on which is very cheese ball at first because i'm like oh it's got like an airbrushed a fifties thing on the back of it, but he walks in and all the, you know, everyone's freaking out looking at him. <laughs> and I, you know what I always loved about him? It's like his, um, his, his gun holster is where yes. he holds his cigarettes. Yes. And then he, on his waist, he has his Zippo right there. And can I tell you too, uh, I will admit this. I've, I've admitted this on the podcast before. Chow Yun Fat's one of the reasons I started smoking cigarettes in high school or <laughs> roughly around there. This was another prime factor. It was very much the reason I learned how to flick my Zippo like he did. Yeah, I saw, and I can still do that. But let me tell you, it took me a couple weeks to, to, to learn it. And they, Zippos were just shooting past my head left and right. But now that I have it, it's like muscle memory, dude. Every time yeah. I get my hands on a Zippo, I do the flip thing. I can do it every single time. Dude, I, I did that. I did the same thing. And then I did the uh, snapping finger light way I lit it from watching mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel and Reservoir Dogs. So Yes. Yeah, yeah. When you snap the you snap the Zippos lighter thing with your finger. Yep. Know how to do yep. that, too. Dude, so all Zippos the, made smoking awesome. Yeah. So all the people that are like, you know, oh, people smoking on screen doesn't influence kids. Yeah, it does, yeah. actually. And, and I does. am not one for censorship at all. As an artist, I never, ever believe in censoring. But yeah. I will admit 100% that seeing people smoke in movies, especially if they're a cool character, will will influence somebody and i was i was that person well and so for those of you that don't know you can just look up type in like dice man uh smoking and he does this whole bit where like he would put his arm around his face and he does like i'll make all these noises and shit fantastic you made smoking (laughs) so cool yeah and he talks about you know he's kind of narrating this scene as he's walking into this club and 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 he's like, I'm terrifical. I even got my own one. I even got my own number. One eight hundred. Unbelievable. Well, did you notice that there's a sometimes there's weird um, voiceovers in this? Because when he yes. says one eight hundred, and then it switches to like a different track, and it's like unbelievable. Yeah, they're, yeah. They they like they you know the ADR after the fact was kind of weird on this well, movie. But the weird thing is, is because but when he says the line original, I mean, it's already an ADR line. So why didn't they have him read the whole thing? It was, he must have been out of the studio by then when they were like, let's change it. And then let's just take him saying unbelievable from somewhere else. But it's weird. And it happens all over the place in this movie. And as, for as much as I love this movie, it has some weird little wonkiness that I pick up on because I've seen it freaking like 50 times, you know? Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't do a whole lot of deep diving on the backstory of this movie, but it does feel like. They probably shot a, st- a, a lot of stuff after the fact. Yeah. Um, At least ADR some stuff after the fact. Or fucked with, like, dialogue stuff without people there to ADR it. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's certain scenes in this movie that feel like they're forcing his stand-up act into the movie a little bit. Like, it yeah. just, it, just to get, like, 
you remember this is dice like uh, remember who this is and maybe that wasn't originally in the script and i know there's a few scenes that are improvised but uh that i know specifically but who knows maybe they felt like it needed to be boosted up by like oh we gotta we gotta profit we gotta you know talk about the fact that he's like this we gotta put his shit. We gotta put his shtick into this, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, and, and so yeah. And back to the the scene. You're right. Like he's narrating over this whole thing. It's one of those. And I, whenever there is narrations, I tend not to track it when I am tracking. Um, but it's it's just this big introductory scene to his character, essentially. You know, yeah. him going through the club, pe- girls bumping into him, saying, "Oh, why didn't you call me?" You know, he you just <laughs> you're getting everything about him. You know. But that's what that this opening is so great because. Because, yeah. like, the doorman asks him, you know, like, sorry, sorry, Ford, there's no smoking in here. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got it. And he walks past the guy. and He, <laughs> he pulls another cigarette out and just lights it up. <laughs> and then, yeah, this chick walks by and she's like, Ford, you know, she wants to hook up with him. And then he gives her his number. He's like, yeah, it's 555. And he gets <laughs> and she's like, wait, 555 is not a real number. And he's like, no shit, honey. What do you think this is? Real life? <laughs> <laughs> but And that was funny. He, he's, he does not look at the camera when he says that, which is great, yeah. because I think if he looked at the camera, it would have that would have sucked, but he he didn't look at the camera for that one. Yet it was still like a little bit of a tongue in cheek nod, you know. Yeah, totally, totally. And then like and like these two douchebags come up to him and they're getting in his face, and he's like, "Oh, what are your names, Neil and Bob, or is that what you do?" <laughs> <laughs> you guys drinking tonight? Yeah, take Mulholland. You'll love the curves. <laughs> Um, guys, I don't know. We've never done a comedy before, so I don't know if this is just going to be us quoting it the entire time. And I also don't know if that makes for good podcasting, but we're going to go with it. So let us know. Hey, who knows? Who knows? But you know what? It's funny to us and uh, hopefully that translates. (laughs) So from there, he, uh, he sits down with Morris Day, a Don and, and, uh, yeah, and they're having their moment of kind of connecting with each other. And then Kari Wurr walks over, and she starts – she's like, you're that guy, that private eye. And he's like, you're a poet and didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's kind of like hitting on him, and, and she takes off. And as she walks away, that's when Morris Day utters the famous line. <laughs> you got to shave when you leave the house in a dress like that. And I don't mean you're late. <laughs> I mean, she looked amazing, and that dress was uh, short. <laughs> Dude, I, it's such a, it's such a hilarious scene because it's like, wait, oh, we're in 1990 now. This is whole uncharted territory. This is like to the extreme, I and know. it's a Fox film too, which makes you think, oh yeah, Fox was like all over pushing the envelope. So, oh yeah, because uh, yeah, Married with Children and everything. It just came out, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and so from there, you cut to like Sheila E with her little guest appearance, and Sheila E is. If you don't know who Sheila E is, she's a phenomenal. She again, another Prince uh, connection. Just a wicked drummer. Yeah. Um, her father is Pete Escovito, and he was a famous drummer too. Just like phenomenal. Anyways. From there, he goes to the bar and orders a Sambuca milkshake. And so this was such a thing that me and my buddies wanted to to do was get the Zambuca milkshake. But Zambuca liqueur, it, it I didn't realize it when I was younger. It tastes like licorice. It's so he's drinking oh. like licorice and vanilla milkshake together. Ooh, that sounds amazing. So, it, so I don't know. I would like to try it. I've never actually had one although 42 year old me watching him drink multiple milkshakes in this movie a made my stomach hurt from lactose intolerance (laughs) and b makes me realize why you know dice kind of his body kind of got bloated and big as he got older you know well apparently Um, that that was one of the issues
issues with this movie that, that he was a little too big, so they would film him from like you know certain angles to make him not look so heavy. Oh, uh, he looks great in this movie. I thought he looked great. Yeah, me too. You know what? As much as we're going to, uh, you know, say Jazz looks great and Carrie Word looks great, I will say that I think <laughs> I think Don Cleveland looked great in this movie. I th- or, uh, Morse Day in the time looked great. I think that uh, Andrew Dice Clay looked great. He was a good looking dude. He still is, man. He's awesome. I think everyone in this movie, freaking Julie Grendel, freaking uh, um, uh, Wayne Wayne Newton, yeah. looked fantastic. Every, looked amazing. Everybody, Everyone's right. amazing in this movie. Beautiful everybody people. looks. Everybody looks beautiful and unbelievable, right? <laughs> unbelievable. So. But I love how the, the bartender wants to impress him with the milkshake. And you get the sense that, that Ford's always going to this club. Yeah. And uh, do you want to do the, the, the quote or do you want me to do it? I, I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to let you do it. Go ahead. <laughs> I love it because the bartender's like, so what would you think of the, the Zambuki? He's like, precocious combustionable <laughs> and he's like sal needs more uh, or needs to be thicker something like that but i always loved his uh precocious precocious combustionable. and we gotta admit uh because it will come back later uh when he gets the milkshake it's on fire so it's like a part part of the milkshake yes, is that that's a very you, it's, it's the whole milkshake itself is flammable essentially and yes. you blow it out before you drink it yes it that is a very important point that we'll get back to later but i two things i want to point out one um the bartender is from peewee's big adventure and then on top of that there's a there's a look that dice gives him after he says it's not thick enough but you're getting better like Mm -hmm. it's such a warm um look and i for me personally when i saw this i was like yeah see he is sensitive like he there is a sensitive side to him and he does have these moments in the movie where you're like first of all the guy's a really good actor second of all he knowing that he's a good actor then this is a whole bit he does have a sensitive side he's mm-hmm. good at playing that sensitive side i like seeing more of that well yeah. uh, rewatching it made me realize that it works because you get moments like that because yeah. ford fairlane he's supposed to be 80 percent kind of a dick sort of like you know just all you know just show basically he's very showy um yeah. but the cool thing is it wouldn't work if he was 100 percent like that all the time you realize that you know he actually is a, a, a good dude underneath somewhere and it, it comes to the surface a lot so i yeah. i think it needed those moments i think they realized it needed those moments and i think it's a testimony to andrew dice clay that he can be sarcastic and funny and then still kind of give you a little smile that's not sarcastic but actually sweet and you know that like he's sort of just pulling your chain right then and there and yep. i that's why his performance works throughout the entire film yeah so good and 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 so from there um <laughs> sam the sleazebag shows up he's at the bar and he's like looming over this briefcase <laughs> and he opens up the brief and so slam this so ford is looking for sam the sleazebag he's a stalker of this band called the pussycats yeah and they're basically the pussycat dolls um you know a, a or uh, Josie and the Pussycats. It's a it's a girl band. It's an all girl band, yeah, and, and very like new wave looking and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, and actually one of them is a pretty famous voice actor too. I forget. I think she was on like the the Rugrats. Or she's not. Um, she's obviously not Dottie from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, but but kind of same vibe. If you look, yeah. if if you do do a deep dive on this, you'll figure it out. But anyways, um, he, he you know he realizes it's Sam and, and Sam's like, Sam has this really heavy slur and he's like, let's dance rock and roll detective. 
<laughs> and and another another actor who does a fantastic job just being silly. He's great. I mean, yeah, I same sometimes Patrick can't Kelly, even believe yeah. he's the same guy that's in The Crow because he's such a badass in that. But in this, he's he's so silly. But at the same time, again, also lovable. And you don't really know why, but later on he definitely becomes it. But you can sense it here that he doesn't seem that harmful, you know? No, no. he He's just a odd, odd Odd duck. <laughs> Odd duck, yeah. So uh so he he throws Sam down the bar and um and suddenly it's in shot in slow mo. Sam runs off and Ford utters the line, So many assholes, so little bullets or something like that. So, and, so yeah, yeah. So many assholes, so few bullets. So few bullets, right, yeah. Then he shoots he his gun, which is like in this holster on his on his wrist which is so badass and that yeah. comes into play later. It's like one of those one of those uh, little pistols that sort of shoots out into your hand. So it's yeah. got a mechanic on the inside of his wrist and kind of just flings it out and it kind of shoots out and he grabs it and he's it's right there. He doesn't have to like unholster it. A la taxi driver and yeah. uh, Travis Bickle. Yep. And he he shoots the disco ball at the top of the club and the disco ball comes crashing down on top of Sam's head and basically crushes his skull. Doesn't kill him. Nah. You'll figure out later what happens. Uh, after that, the two girls, the one girl who was like, you know, that's eh, not a real number. She, her and her twin sister put their arms around him. And he, and he, as he's walking out, he utters the famous line. <laughs> Clint Eastwood, I fucked him. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the next morning at <laughs> Ford Fairlane's house. <laughs> Do my dishes. So the the scene opens in Ford's house with uh, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix blasting and knocks the two girls out of bed. And uh, that's his alarm clock is, is, is essentially that song just exploding, exploding <laughs> out at you. Yeah. And, there, and he yeah, he just yells at him. He's like, do my dishes. <laughs> do my dishes. I love that. And they're like, Ford, we just wanted to be held. Yeah. <laughs> and then, which is which is straight out of his old his bits. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is, the one thing that's I found I've always found interesting from a technical standpoint in this movie. And I'll bring it uh, another. There's another example of it later uh, in the Gilbert Godfrey scene. But the cinematographer or the editor, I'm not sure, does a great job with scene transitions where they utilize, like, so, for example, he goes to turn off the, the radio and, and you know, it, it, it cuts to a close-up shot of the thing turning off and you think that because of the juxtaposition, it's the next, you know, it was immediately after, but then the camera pans down and he's sitting next to it so you know basically time has passed but they do these really neat little little interesting scene transitions they do like three or four of them where an action is still happening but you know that they had to to make that action happen at the beginning of that next scene in order for it to make it uh connect easily i don't know how to explain i think this is something that you would need like a youtube to sort of like a video example to explain it's just it they it's more clever than it has any right to be is my takeaway no i and i think you i think you got it pretty well there like the guy the, the so the cinematographer and the editor <clears throat> the cinematographer is uh oliver wood and i just looked up his imdb he did face off he did the born ultimatum rudy stepbrothers like clearly the guy has a phenomenal resume yeah and you're right it's shot really well like it's a really beautiful looking film especially with the colors the editor um you know he he's he was 
editor for movies like The Scent of a Woman, which is a pretty big movie, and Hairspray, yeah. which is a musical. But he was in the music department for Predator. I just thought I'd put that out there. Mm. So, you know, there you go. Anyways, um, <laughs> and, and oh, and I, I also want to point out, too, that one of the producers of this movie is Joel Silver. Yeah. And if you don't know who Joel Silver is, he was like the king of... 80s and 90s action movies yeah uh, lethal weapon done yeah you know you don't need to say any more than that so after yeah so after that jazz calls and to check jazz is his assistant she checks in on him and uh and that's yeah when that's when the girls are like we just want to be held and then he i love when he picks up the line he's like uh he picks up the phone he's like uh hit pay dirt with k dirt and that comes up like throughout the entire movie because I don't even know if they do it nowadays, but back in the day, radio stations used to have these money giveaways. And if you were the certain caller, you'd get money. Uh, if you answered the phone in, in a certain way, you'd get money from the radio station. This turned out to be a million dollars, and mm. that's important too. We'll get to that later as well. Ford, though, is is a broke detective, and he kind of talks broke, about Broke, yet he lives in Malibu. He lives in Malibu, right by the water. Um in this beautiful house, but we'll get to that also. Uh, after he goes outside and to, to go to the office and uh, to deliver jazz, the sand and the sleaze bag. And this kid shows up the, the kid, as I referred, <laughs> referred to him in the earlier in the, uh, when we were listing the credits, uh, <laughs> and he, he's like mimicking Ford. He's, he's like his little, he's his little double, which is really yeah. cute. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly, it is super cute. <laughs> yeah. It's really cute down to the point that the, the kid, um, pulls out a cigarette just like dice does. And he's about to light up <laughs> and it's for Ford smacks the cigarette out of his hand. He's like, don't you know, these things can kill you. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> and so, and so he's like, when are you going to find my, he's like, Ford, I got a job for you. I want you to find my dad, you know? <laughs> and, uh, or I think here, here's when he just says, I got a job for you. Right. Yeah. Or I got yeah. something for you. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the kids, the, the whole scene is cute with the kid. And then, yeah, yeah when he knocks a cigarette out <laughs> and he's like, that. don't you know these things will kill you? Right. And then, uh, and then I love it because the kid's like, why are you always fucking with me? He's like the language or something like that. Yeah, he's like, hey, you know, and uh, he's like, the kid wants, what do you want to discuss? Premature ejaculation uh, or something like that. <laughs> Being a, being a real asshole to the kid, real. I mean, because yeah. the kid, you know, you find out that later that the kid does have a real thing for him, and he's just dismissing the hell out of yeah, the kid. Yeah, yeah, and that, that is hilarious too. So the yeah, he basically tells the it doesn't tell the kid to fuck off, but he's like, you know, I got to go to work. Yeah, and he opens up the trunk of his car mm-hmm. and slam which which on a Ford Fairlane, it's a convertible car, but it's a hard it's a hard, it's a hardback a hard convertible top, right? Yeah, and back in the day, hardback convertibles used to be like motor powered, and the whole entire trunk would would house the 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 top of the car. And he opens up the trunk, and in, inside the trunk is Sam the sleeves bag. He's like, "Let me out of here!" You know, <laughs> so from I can't there, breathe in here, Ford. <laughs> I can't breathe, Ford. So from there, Ford's narrating how he works at the crossroads of the world, which is a legit place. <laughs> it's a legit place that I've been to, and I love. It's like it's it's not a strip mall, but it's like it is kind of like a strip mall. It's just a bunch of little businesses, sort they're, of, or office like, spaces. It's a weird yeah, thing. I've recorded a few songs there, and it, it is it, 
they they're like little mini offices. Yeah. Offices. Office. Yeah. Yeah. But but here uh, offices. In, <laughs> but here in in this one, you know, there's a little bit of a gym in the front, and I love it's like my office was at the crossroads of the world. The rent was high, but it was worth it for those chicks. And then the camera zooms in on these fat girls, uh, uh basically working out. And he goes, "Those chicks, those fat." chicks and you can hear the like the disgust in Ford Fairlight's voice as he says it and you can it's just great it's really just great and again another thing that I in my head just in my head sometimes if I see a heavier person I mean I'm not gonna say this out loud but I sometimes say those chicks those fat <laughs> chicks for the record I don't but uh but I can see no, why no, no. <laughs> I'm the asshole. <laughs> You're the asshole. Uh, uh, then we do get to meet Tone Loke, though. Yeah. That, so yeah, another another little guest appearance by Tone Loke, and uh, which is funny. They're they're kind of busting each other's balls, and 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 uh, it's funny because because Ford says, you know, why don't you take that across the street? You're giving me a headache or something. He's like, I'm just fucking with you, you know. Yeah. And he goes into the office, sees Jazz, and he uh, he brings Sam Sam the sleaze bag with him, and the pussy cats are there. And, you know, he's like freaking out. Sam is freaking out because he's an obsessed stalker fan. And he it's funny because uh, he's like, well, let, let's let's deal with this. And he takes Sam outside and they do a close up shot of these big garden shears. And it like looks like he's going to cut off his dick. And instead, he throws Sam off the roof or the, the off well, the well, Sam sort of jumps off on his own. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. He, he well, I mean, initiated because of the scare. They're because they, essentially they're just scaring him. I guess yeah. they they hire because he's got no. I, I guess they weren't going to press charges. They didn't really sort of make that clear. I think they just wanted Ford to maybe scare him, just get him away. Basically, I don't think they really wanted to press charges against him. Well, and and on a, like a kind of a darker note. I don't think the stalker laws back then were as stringent as they are now. Yeah. So they might not have been much he could have done technically or they could have done. Yeah. And and, and little fun fact, there was a there was a show called uh, My Sister Sam that came out in the the late 80s, early 90s with Pam Dauber from Mork and Mindy. And she her the sister on the show was um, stalked by a guy. And the guy showed up at her house one day with a gun and blew her brains out. Oh, shit. Uh, so fun fact part two, uh, and I don't think I've ever brought it up before, but my, my ex-wife back in the day was an actress and was supposed to be cast as the sister on that show, but turned it down to like finish up school. But she was wow. like, she was going to take the job. Wow. So, that could, so that could, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So a lot of times she would be like, you know, oh, that was supposed to be me. And I'm like, well, it wasn't. And you're alive. <laughs> so make the most of it. <laughs> oh, do <Yo>! my dishes. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. See, I took something really dark and turned it into a funny thing. Yeah. Good so, job, uh, buddy. Good job. <laughs> I'm the asshole now. So yes, yes you are. You are. <laughs> So from there, yeah, yeah. So it's funny, yeah. Sam like jumps there. Just Ford's office is on the second floor of this building. Uh, Sam, they scare Sam. He jumps off the second floor and lands on Tone Loke's band. And this is kind of I watching it now. I realized where the kind of reference was. They start beating the shit out of Sam, and he's letting out this no. So uh, in the Warriors. His character gets jumped at the end by the riffs, uh, very similar looking 
group of dudes and they just beat the shit out of him in that and he lets out a whale in that too very similar moment I'm like oh this is like a warrior's reference that's okay cool. oh yeah. nice i didn't even get that so yeah this is the first time i'm like oh i'm gonna write that down um yeah so anyways the the pussycats are like you know they, they're so thankful to ford and they give him a watch to pay for his uh for his time and he's like, yeah, I like cash, you know, and, and like, yeah, take the watch, <laughs> you know, it's, it's worth a lot of money or whatever. And so uh, he sees Jazz and he's like, I got a present for you. And and he sees a koala on the desk and she's like, in excess, gave us this for payment. And he's like, and he starts running down like the different artists, how they yeah. paid Millie Vanilli. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I, oh, he's like, I don't make money. I make gifts. <laughs> he's like, he's talking about, I got to pay tax. You can't, he's like, jazz, you can't pay, you know, taxes with gifts. You I, you know, your health insurance costs money. Your, uh, your karate classes cost money. Of course, that'll come back. He's like, you, my balls are a bunch of jazz, you know? <laughs> yeah. He talks about how Millie Vanilli paid him with bike shorts and hair extensions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I gotta start getting paid, and and then um, uh, the answering machine goes off, and it's Johnny Crunch, and he's like, Hey, is this Chevy Nova? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is this the car I want to talk to? Yeah, he's got a case to solve, and I'm like, Oh yeah, now I can see the Howard Stern reference. And then uh, and yeah, yeah, and that's when Jazz is like, When, ask, when I'm getting paid, and and he kisses her, and he's like, Unbelievable, right? He's like, No, no, he, yeah, he's like, Jazz, come here, come here, I want to come here, I want to tell you something. And she like leans in and he just, just sticks his tongue down her throat. And he's like, unbelievable, right? Right? Yeah? Yeah? Dude, this this movie, well, we said it before, <laughs> from a different time, from an absolutely different time, could not be made today. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> so so he's on his way to go see Johnny Crunch, his 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 buddy, and he's talking about how, how Johnny and Crunch and him kind of came to L.A. together. And then I think he, they were from New York or Jersey or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were a singing duo, actually, back in the day. And he starts telling a whole story about how they got, got the B. And he's like, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying to you? That's what I'm saying. What am I saying? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> even, <laughs> even the voiceover stuff, even, like, the narration stuff has some, like, great lines in it. And it's just because he's, like, explaining something. And, he's, and he even, I don't know. It's great. It's like he gets confused himself. He's yeah. like, fuck it. I don't know. What is this? I don't know, man. It's great. Everything. Even his character is just as confused as we are at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it was, like, a fuck up and they just kept it in because it sounded so funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. So, yeah, he goes to the radio studio. He's walking in, and, and and the security desk lady who looks a little like she's like the 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 mirror in the mirror uh, the, the the funhouse mirror version of Janine from <laughs> from Ghostbusters. Yes, yeah. I was going to say yeah, she's like the demented version of Janine. Yeah, and she don't want to hear it. Ford's like you know I'm here to see Johnny Crunch or I'm here to see Johnny, and and security guard comes out to like frisk him down. She's like you know Johnny's got a lot of stalkers or whatever. And uh, and and the guys and the security guards get a little too close to his crotch, Multiple and Ford times. just kicks him in the fucking head. <laughs> I love it. Sends the dude just like flying. <laughs> He's like, uh, Artie, when you or whatever he says when you, you touch the royalties friendly. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, touch or... the royalties too much, and he kicks him in the face. Yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> this not the giant first time. Boot. He has a great moment with the security guard. Um, so he goes upstairs to see Johnny Crunch, and Johnny sees him, and he's, <laughs> what does he say to him? He says, he says, Suzuki Samurai, you Bensonhurst <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> but, dude, Gilbert Godfrey looks so young right here, man. He looked he young and mousy. 
Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, this was also the height of Gilbert Godfrey's comedic career. You know, Gilbert before he was the character in Aladdin and the Aflac Duck or whatever yeah. the hell he was. He was known as the guy who would go like, oh, stop it. Oh, 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 stop it. Oh, you know, and he would have this funny jokes and he looked like he's all tighten up like his assholes tight like a snare drum. But like truthfully, like knowing that Howard Stern was supposed to be in this role, I don't think it would have been as exciting as having Gilbert Gottfried. Just just his voice makes it more exciting. I don't know. That's that's yeah. I really honestly can't picture Howard Stern doing a better job. I can picture him in the role. I can see why they would cast him for that, but I do think ultimately they went with the better choice. I agree with you. Uh I wholeheartedly agree. I think I think Howard Stern was more popular on one end of the spectrum but he was not on television really he was like he was still just a radio guy gilbert godfrey was everywhere he was on mtv had their comedy show um around this time and he was all over that shit was this Uh, before or after tbs or usa up all night i think this was around the same time actually okay so it makes total and gilbert godfrey was like a household name you know as far as as much as andrew dice clay was yeah um Anyways, yeah, he he's he's like he uh, he tells Ford he, he wants for he's got a job for Ford. He wants him to find his daughter, Zuzu Petals, and he gives her a picture, gives him a picture, and it's a picture of Zuzu like blowing bubble gum or something, and she just looks, she like looks just spaced out or whatever, and he reveals that he had he had sex with this this woman in Vegas, I think, and she's like, and he goes, she was a total pig. I fucked her. <laughs> she was she was a total pig. I fucked her. <laughs> I know. He's like, that I want my daughter. Me. And he's like, come on, level with me, Johnny. And he's like, fine, she's my sister. She's my sister. She's my daughter. She's my sister. She's my daughter, which is a total reference to Chinatown when mm-hmm. um, yep. uh, Jack Nicholson is smacking the shit out of Faye Dunaway. And she's like, my sister, my daughter, my sister, my daughter. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. No, dude, yeah, dude. It's it, There's multiple uh, references to Chinatown yeah. in this movie. They, they wanted this to be the rock and roll version of Chinatown. And you know what? They succeeded. Yeah, t- seriously, dude. Yeah, they absolutely uh, Johnny offers to give him five thousand, f- no, four, sorry, four thousand dollars to get to find Zuzu, and uh, and I think uh, he he instead of giving him the four grand, he gives him like twenty bucks. Yeah, it's and, not a uh, lot. <laughs> and then it, yeah, and then and then Ford's like, "Here's to you, sucking my dick." Oh, <laughs> oh, and that's when he gives him the twenty bucks instead of four four grand, uh, and then. <laughs> But Ford's like happy to see Green and he leaves the studio. And as he's walking out, probably one of my funny, my favorite moments in the movie, he like does this dance down the stairs of the, of the, of the, of the building to his car going, money, 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 money. It's and he does like this, the the dance down the stairs, and then that happy run where you stick your feet really far out. It's I mean, it's a grown man who's just super happy about getting paid because, and I know that feeling, but I love that too, buddy. <laughs> I, know, I right? love it so much. So he gets in his car, he drives off, and he did you listens. notice that his car has like a TV in the dash? Yeah, yeah, it's like fully decked out, and I'm sure yeah. I would love, man, dude. Yeah, we talk about like every movie gets a gets a deluxe treatment nowadays why haven't they done that with this i'm sure they will down the road but i would love to see some d- 
deleted scenes on this bad boy. Yeah, and yeah, because so, this uh, the DVD that we reviewed from. While it looked fine, did not have anything really. I watched the featurette; it was like five, five minutes long. Yeah. I, there was nothing from it to the gain. Five minute making of featurette, uh, and I learned one thing that one of the scenes in the movie was improvised, and that was That's, about it. Yeah. yeah, me too. So we're going to talk about the exact same fucking thing then. <laughs> yeah, we are. It's great. Um, so, yeah, Ford gets in his car, drives off. And uh, and you can tell where they are, right? Where where that where that uh, studio was. It's that mall that's right on the corner, right across the street from the Laugh Factory. Yes. Uh, is that, what what is that? That's um Sunset and Sunset and I don't know if it's well I, Laurel is Canyon Bever- is what connects to it. I think it might be Beverly. Maybe I think it's Not- Sunset and Beverly because when he's driving away, you can see the Laugh Factory behind him. Yeah, and where he does that U-turn, which you'll get to in a second, uh, uh, it's it's right there on on yeah. I think that's Sunset, and then where the hill goes really far down, I think that's Beverly, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah think that goes it is. to the Beverly Center. So yeah, it's again they they don't aside from the very first thing by having like Arizona or Iowa or whatever that was as LA and the, the red rocks, everything else, they do not do any of the tough turf shit where like they have to go from here to there. <laughs> yeah. And like you, you show scenes of like the Valley and then you show scenes of like Santa Monica and then you show scenes of the Valley again. You know, like, no, that's not how it works. This movie very much sort of understands how LA works. Oh yeah, totally. It, it 100%, 100%. And back in 1990, it was more possible to get around LA faster than it is now. Yes. Well, currently it's easy to get around LA because of the <laughs> COVID shit. But, but back in the day, yeah, this is much 1990. It was just a different time uh, to, to get around easier in LA. But as uh, but it, Ford's in his car and he's like kind of talking about how he, he could have, <laughs> he could have been a fisherman. He's like, you know, I could have fished and I could have specialized in it's like I could have I, I chose to special, specialize in, 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 in his line of work. And he's like, I could have been a fisherman. I could have fished or something like that. <laughs> it's like you wake up, you fish, you, <laughs> you go out, you, you, you eat fish, you, this and that. Something like smell. But he's like, reminds me of a girl I used to date, uh, Susan. She smelled like fish. <laughs> yeah, dude. And so at that moment, he's listening to Johnny Crunch on the radio. And Johnny starts getting attacked. He's like, help me, help me. Oh, Jesus, right? And Ford flips a bitch, <laughs> flips a U-turn. Sorry, this is what happens when you're like, oh, we're going down the un-PC route. <laughs> nah, dude, fl- dude, he flips a bitch right in, right okay. on uh, Sunset in, in Beverly, man. Yeah. Causes accidents and everything. <laughs> he's like, these L.A. drivers, where do they get them, you know? Yeah, I love that. I, I think I It's all commentary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. And so he gets back to the station. Uh, he runs upstairs and to see to Johnny's studio and it's too late. Johnny's being electrocuted as he's, as he right as he walks in uh, and he's fried. Yeah. And now that, yeah. And this, this is one of the, the transitions that I like because so Johnny's frying, he, it kind of knocks him backwards through a window. Yeah. And so there's one camera shot of him flying back through the window. And then there's a close up of him kind of crashing through the window and and but the thing is they filmed that separately so when he the close up he's falling down the actor is falling with pieces falling around him and then a, a camera light goes off and then the camera pulls back and you see that that's the crime scene so yeah. like at the beginning of that scene even though Gilbert Godfrey or that that shot at the beginning of that shot Gilbert Godfrey was in motion of falling back and it, it, it's still him dead you know and, and time has passed and that's that's a great example of I love that weird editing that they do it's not weird it's just very clever and it, oh, yeah. it hides the the time 
time transition, essentially. Yeah, it's so great. It, it, I mean, this movie is like, in many ways, it has, it's flawless. It, and, it does, yeah, go ahead. And, and I mean, just like, just circling back to that, it's, it's just like, it's impressive because that takes planning. They yeah. had to know that that's how the transition was going to be for them to shoot it because they had to shoot it that way for it to work. So that means they had to take time to plan that when they could have easily just done a fade or something. Like, they could have done something super, super easy, yeah. an easy cut, but they decided to make that transition interesting. And for that, that's what elevates this movie. It's It's all these... This movie should have been fucking terrible. On every level, it should have been terrible. But it has so much heart, so much soul in it, and so many just little attentions to detail that just make it fantastic. Yeah, I don't, and I don't mean this in the in a bad way. I I mean this in like the the rock con air uh, way. Rennie Harlan was kind of like the Michael Bay of his time mm-hmm. in 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 that sense, like music video style editing and. Before there was a Michael Bay. Yeah, so, no, I, I in a good would, way. In a good way. I don't think there was a lot of people out there who are familiar with Rennie Harlan and Michael Bay that would that would argue with that point. Rennie yeah. Harlan was the Michael Bay of the '90s before Michael Bay. Yeah, totally. And and so it's like in full evidence right here. Um, yeah. So so Ford, the cops show up, and it's really interesting because um, I'm like I know this detective from somewhere. His, he's just credited as detective, but his name's Steve White. He's a really funny stand-up comedian who was all over MTV back in the day. Mm, if you just okay. if you look up his shit, so funny. Anyways, he shows up first, and he's talking to Ford. And then Ed O'Neill shows up, kind of like in a there's like a dragnet kind of soundtrack playing in the background, dun, 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 sort of. And uh, Lieutenant Amos, as but uh, as we know very well, Ford likes to call him Anus. <laughs> Anus. That's what I think of you. Anus. <laughs> they and, have uh, just they have some great like back and forth dialogues. I mean, in totally getting in each other's faces yeah. to the point where, like, I don't know if it's this scene, but later, but their noses actually touch, and I love it because Ed O'Neill never he doesn't back down at all, and neither does like Andrew Dice Clay. So they just sit there talking to each other with their noses touching each other. I think it might have been this part because that's when uh, Dice is like jerk off because because he's like. You know, get out of here, you jerk off to, to Ford. And Ford's like, jerk off? You're a jerk off. Jerk off. <laughs> he's like, get the fuck out of here. So Ford, I, at that point, I'm like, did Ford, he's leaving, right? No, he like actually goes into the crime scene to check it out. And he finds um, a 45 sleeve taped to a computer. And there's like a star on it. And it says the word Art Mooney. And he like feels like it's important. So he takes it with him. And then and he utters the... Uh, the, the narration at that point goes, this case is getting closed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so anus is like, I'll just refer to him as anus the rest of the movie. Uh, anus asks, you know, why are you leaving such a hurry? And he doesn't. And, uh, and he's like, you just don't, uh, you don't like me about, no, he, I, it's narr- It's a voiceover. He's talking about how like, uh, anus used to have uh he he was like a publicist back in the day ford was and he didn't push for uh anus's record and and uh D- disco express yeah because 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 lieutenant anus is was the lead singer for disco express and they yes. had one big time song and, and that what was, was that song Corey? <laughs> that might be booty time, booty time across the USA. Booty time, booty time, a a a. 
<laughs> it's, it's, and, and, and it's right down to anus doing a dance and Everything. like really feeling it. Just that white boy kind of dance that white boys do. You know, and where music just... like, yeah, music keeps coming on. Like it's coming in the background, sort of like fading in as he's doing it. And then like everyone's like starting to watch him and everything. So awkward. And, you know, it's it's that white boy dance where you, your, your feet, your legs don't move, but your butt does. And mm-hmm. that's basically it. And you're in your fists do and your arms kind of and he's like biting his lower lip you know or upper lip and he's really feeling it right and uh and ford just laughs at him and calls him a jerk off just walks, <laughs> walks away so great so Completely great. dismisses him and from there he cut to ford on the beach and he's playing his guitar uh he's he's sitting out on the beach by his home and he's like by the by his boat i'm assuming yeah. and he's playing his guitar and it's it's a really like memorable uh, riff not not in like in the sense that oh i've heard this riff before it's just the style and it's, it's so I, good I'm pretty sure it's richie sambora because richie sambora has a song on the soundtrack he covers uh, wind cries mary at the end of the movie um which is a Jimi hendrix song but i'm pretty sure that's richie sambora because he had a certain style and if you don't know who richie sambora is yeah he was in bon jovi but the the guy is like an amazing guitarist just check out the unplugged version of Wanted Dead or Alive, and you'll see how fucking phenomenal Richie Sambora is. Yeah. And it's a really cool moment because it looks like Ford's really playing. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of lamenting on uh, uh, Johnny Crunch being dead, and he pulls out an old promo photo of when they were together. <laughs> it was called FF and Captain or F. Uh, ff and the captain or something like that and, but the ford fairling's hair was so bad and and i mean it's so he had a bowl funny cut, i think or something like that it's it's such a it's such a great gag man he pulls yeah. it and the thing is it's just perfect enough that it's not like it doesn't take away from the fact that his friend's dead i mean it was just a bad headshot we all yeah. like we all know they exist we've oh, seen them in la yeah. it's hilarious and again though. it's it's it rides that line between if it went too far into one area it wouldn't have worked and if it went too far in the other way it wouldn't have worked either they just Rennie harlan just did a good job just skirting the line between funny and serious yeah i think um that it, it, it that's the whole point of the movie it's like yeah you can have these sentimental moments but then they'll they'll hit you over the head right after it with something funny yeah and and in that moment this is important to, to note too that uh ford is talking about his guitar and how it's Jimi hendrix guitar like the ma- the the guitar was made for Jimi hendrix strung upside down for a left-handed genius Jimi hendrix yeah and uh and then the kid shows up again i wish he had a name like come on kid that's nah, the kid and he shows up and he's like hey i got a job for you ford here's a hundred bucks to find my dad and uh and he's and he's like you know he he and i have the same ring and he does a he holds up his ring i actually have that ring and and he holds it up it's a fred flintstone faced ring silver ring and as he holds it up they do a close-up shot on the ring and you hear yeah but never do i know i love that i love the fact that they throw in this like ethereal like like echoey sort of in the background yabba dabba do yeah it, uh, just like in me and you know they probably did it because just to drive it home but it's such a funny little thing that works so well in it works so great and and you cut immediately to the next day, the next morning, Ford's waking <laughs> up. And because, oh, so after that, he's like, I'm not going to take your money, kid. And then he wakes up the next morning and he's holding the kid's money. And he's like, I can't believe I took the kid's money. <laughs> I can't believe I took the kid's money. 
<laughs> it's it's the 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 when Ford I think sometimes is the funniest is when his guard is down and he's not quote unquote acting like the rock and roll detective, yeah. but he's he's acting like Ford Fairlane the person, yeah. and and he's even he is bewildered and astonished by his own actions essentially yeah, so when, when in in the sobering light of day the next yes. day. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, the door, the, someone's at the door. He answers the door, and it's Priscilla Presley, uh, looking like kind of vamped out, like a like a just like a rich Beverly Hills housewife kind of look. Yeah. And uh, she walks in. He offers her a drink and <laughs> some juice, and he, he he has he pours orange juice into a blender and gives her the blender to to drink it out of. And he's like, "Sorry, my maid's not my maid's day off or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I love the fact that she drank it like yeah, that was a anyways. cool character moment that she looked him right in the eyes and she just drank it, which kind of leads into the next thing she says when she's like, um, you know, I, I'm rich, the kind of rich that warps minds. <laughs> and I was like, OK, <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, uh, does that turn you on? <laughs> when that, what, the way he, doesn't he doesn't she say, like, I walked in on my dad. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, she's, I'm like, I don't offend easily. I walked in on my dad and my Charlotte pony. What they were they called? The sh- something ponies. Yeah, she she said I walked in on my father on my tenth on my tenth birthday. I walked in on my father with the Shetland pony he gave me. Yeah, and she goes and she looks down at his crotch and she's like, Does that excite you? And uh, and and he's like, He goes, I don't know. Like <laughs> he goes, Oh, this? No, that's no, 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 no. The the ad lib party goes, I. And, and so she, like you said, she looks down at the crotch and goes, "I don't know. I never met your father." <laughs> and that was uh, that was the ad lib part that that she said that he kind of ad libbed that. That's right. And, the, and so save yourself five minutes on the on the making of, and, and yep. you'll know what it's all about because yep. they mentioned that in the making of. And he's like, "Oh," and he goes, "Oh, Stanley. Stanley always gets up in the morning, you know." And she's like, "Stanley." He goes, "Yeah, you know, Stanley, like the power drill." Oh, and he's looking at his dick. He goes, "Roseanne Barr naked." gone (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my god that was such like meta shade at the time you know i was like okay you know (laughs) man you could not just all of a sudden call out like somebody nowadays and say that they're not attractive in a movie like that you would get you it just wouldn't work anymore yeah none of it works no and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say what he says next but he he does make a like kind of a it's not slanderous but he makes a comment about uh, homosexuals and uh yeah and, and 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 then she's like and then she even says back she kind of repeats it back to him and he's like oh no come on you know i'm an equal opportunity guy or something like that he's like i even got one of those friends you know the trans testicles yeah yeah and, and i'll say been... that because you know that's whatever so i know and and yeah again it's not pc and and actually it's remarkable that there were not as many gay jokes in this movie. Honestly, none at all, uh, except for this one little scene. And yeah, yeah it, it it doesn't fit. But I will say, well, I guess I should say, it doesn't fit in 2020. Um, and I didn't really think it was the funniest part when I was younger either. But I do like when she just stares at him and he's like, trends testicles like he's trying to like <laughs> yeah. you know you know I got, just, I got one of those friends and i will say this too it's 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 not to defend dice but it is to defend that time you can go back you watch bill and ted's excellent adventure and there's a scene when they're like in the medieval times and they hug each other and they call each other the f word in the gay way in, yeah. in, in the homosexual community it's like the biggest taboo 
and 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 everyone no one ever talks about that shit you go watch the movie three o'clock high and uh you know buddy Ravel, the the antagonist he's like well if you're a fag and like no one ever bats an eye at that shit you know but then yeah. dice does it and everyone's like oh you know what he's a homophobe and you're like wait a minute this is not this is a commentary like don't fucking put a scarlet letter on this guy yeah, because it was it's all about the time. It's yes. all of it. I mean, I was I was telling my wife that and like I have spent years erasing the F word from my lexicon because when I was younger, because of what the eighties the sort of dictated, you I also you also use the F word for lame, right? Like, uh you know, like calling yeah. someone just, you know, it wasn't necessarily mean that they were gay or whatever. Yeah. But it's because of stuff like freaking Bill and Ted's is also the reason that, like, I didn't start actually, like, opening up to my friends until I was older because as a kid, you thought you were going to just get made fun of, and that's how it was. Dude, you know? Yeah, it's no. Bill and Ted's, dude, calling each other. Like, yeah, at the end of the movie, they hug, and they're like, oh, fag. You know, I'm like, come on, man. Like, that. that's just the time we grew up, though. Yeah, it is totally – and when it's more mainstream like that for a PG or PG-13 movie to do it – that's when it has more of a detriment on kids versus an R-rated movie where, you know, okay, this is R, it's going to be edgy. But when you're marketing something, and this was not marketed towards kids at the time, but those movies were. And so, like, okay, put it contextually in a time. Also recognize the fact that this shit happened everywhere. And it's not right. It is definitely not right. And... You know, it is what it is. It's like a time. It's 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 a perfect time capsule moment of like, oh yeah, that's when this shit was like it was just more accepted in in a in a bad way. It's not right at all, but it was accepted back then. It was like that was part of the norm. Yeah. That so there's that. So uh, so Colleen Sutton says, you know, I need you to find my sister, Zuzu Petals, and she has the exact same photo as Johnny Crunch, which is of really course. funny. And she's like, I'm gonna give you five thousand dollars, and he takes a job. And uh, he throws out the name Art Mooney. He's like, oh, I was just talking to, to uh, about Art Mooney. And she's like, who? She plays dumb. And you're not sure what that means yet. But he's just putting it out there. Cut to the next scene. And you're in the studio with Morris Day, Don Cleveland. <laughs> and he's editing. Or he's he's mixing. This, this guy's performing. His name's Kyle Troy. Oh, and fucking Kyle, Kyle Troy. <laughs> Kyle Troy Fuck. is one of my favorite characters in this movie because he's in the studio singing with these backup singers and he's singing the song, I'm going to be the one girl. I'm going to be the one girl. And it's he's tone deaf. It's terrible. It's, it's terrible. It's horrible. But it's it's commentary on the music industry and how you can sort of just, you know, uh, package somebody because he's got the look. <laughs> he doesn't have the voice. And it's no. interesting because now, you know, think about it. We're, we're going into 1990 in this movie and T- MTV and everything. So visual optics are much are becoming more important for music than they are than the actual music itself. So and especially with new technology, you can auto tune things at the time. It wasn't like they called auto tuning, but you know, you had more options available. So you could take people who maybe didn't have as much talent as the previous generations, but yeah. they had a better look, and then you could market that. Because let's be honest, some of these musicians that are super talented are not that attractive. No, and 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 no, they're not. If if you go to like CC Music Factory, which had that big song, Gotta Make You Sweat, which yeah. is like a huge 90s song, and the woman in the video is this beautiful woman. She's absolutely she looks like a model. Mm-hmm. 
Because and, she was. Uh, <laughs> and she, she was a model because it turns out she wasn't actually the one who sang that song. Yeah, it was this yeah. other chick who didn't look anything like that. Um, yeah, there was this big shift in the 80s and the 90s, especially when music videos came out. And nowadays we have auto-tune on everything. So if you were tone deaf like Kyle Troy, it didn't matter because it could be edited in the studio. So yeah, uh, Dice walks in. He's like, who's this fucking freak? Who's this freak of fucking nature? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and Don is like, you know, oh, he's Julian Grendel's new, new guy or whatever. And he's like, what the fuck's Julian Grendel seeing this guy? And then suddenly the lights go on behind Don and Julian Grendel's in there. It's, and he's like, make sure if you're going to, yeah. essentially he's like make sure if you're going to talk shit uh you leave the you make sure that the guy you're talking shit about is out of the fucking room or something like yeah that, you know and um but i i liked how dice was like hey man like you know he actually said he was like hey man sorry like he he yeah. it was weird you know he never it never got the sense that he was like scared of julie but I, I he got I got the sense that him apologizing right there like it was more it was actually more of like an honor thing he was like yeah, yeah you know what you're right I I shouldn't have talked shit about you right there you know yeah and Julian Grendel's like this music producer guy and and kind of a big shot the big wig in the music industry and uh, <laughs> and Ford cuts back to looking at Kyle Troy in the uh, in the booth and he's given like the the okay symbol <laughs> and. <laughs> Dude. Ford says, "What does he say, Corey?" No, dude, it's it's Don Cleveland. Oh yeah, Don, says. Don Cleveland says. And what I Don say Cleveland this. Say? This is the one thing I will fucking say this all the fucking time in real life. Don Cleveland looks at the guy and goes, "What's this asshole smiling about?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so God Morris Day has such a great delivery in this moment. Because it's like, you know, what's this asshole smiling? Like, it's so perfect. It's, it's so, so perfect. so good. And, dude, dude, to this day, if I see somebody smiling, like, in the car or something, I will say it to my <laughs> wife. She knows. She doesn't know where it's from. But I'll say, what's this asshole smiling about? And it's I so will great. say it like Don Cleveland. It's so great, dude. So from, from that moment, this is, again, this whole sequence is balls to the wall amazing. Uh, Ford walks in on Kyle in the recording booth. And he and he's like, you know, he's like, what? What, do you, what is this? I'm gonna be the wicked. Like he's imitating him, and he's, he's like, like you're, Ke- you're killing rock and rape and roll, man. And, yeah, and Kyle Troy's like, hey, man, come on. And he goes, Keith Richards is rolling over in his grave, and he's not even dead yet. <laughs> it's amazing that we were making jokes about how old Keith Richards was in 1990, and here we are in 2020, and the motherfucker is still alive. <laughs> I know, dude, right? And so he's like, let me show you how how, the, how it's really done, how rock and roll is really done. And it cuts to the, the musical montage, musical moment, where uh, Ford sings this song, I ain't got you, diddle-a-doo, I got a 65 Cadillac, yeah, yeah. And it's a great, like, kind of 50s doo-wop song. And, but it's, it's fucking great, though, dude. Like, the song, it's got horns and it's got backup singers. And it's, it's a two-minute scene, but it's, I absolutely love this moment. Oh, oh, dude, I adore this moment. Yeah. And my only question is, Zach, is that a real song that they were covering, or is that something that was made for the movie? No, it's made for the movie because on the soundtrack, it's Dice singing that song. And, okay. Uh, and, and I ha- couldn't find it anywhere else other than that. Like, I looked okay. it up a few times. So, wait, that was actually him singing? Oh, that's him singing, yeah. Oh, yeah, no shit. he's got a great Good voice. Friend. Yeah, he, he really does. I, I, it was weird because it kind of sounds like him, but I was like, nah, it's it's not him. They're just you know he's doing a a lip sync thing or whatever. But hey, man, dude, 
Andrew Dice Clay is a very, very talented human being. He's a tour de force. He's a tour he de force. It, oh. And it's, oh, and it's a very, it's reminiscent, you know, of like Brian Setzer is uh, like Stray Cats kind of vibe to it. That's, that's the sound it has for it. Um, and after that, it's great. He kills a song. And the song ends, and he's like, that's rock and roll. And I love this moment because he leaves the studio, and he pushes the doors open really dramatically. And it just happens this girl's walking towards the door at the exact same time holding a tray of, like, Pepsi's cups. And he knocks the tray, <laughs> kicks the door open, knocks the tray off her hands. And the look on his face as she just goes flying and, like, <laughs> cups go everywhere. And he's just nonplussed about it. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, he didn't even see her. I don't I love that. And again, it's 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 they found a moment to just put in some comedy because they're like, okay, Ford's got to leave this door. Okay, great. He walks out the door, yeah. and then he he sees these uh, these punk gunslingers. But like they were like, but what if he just plows through this lady that he didn't even see? Plows through, plows <laughs> through, and that's that's when he mentions like, and he's like, and I got banned from MTV. Like throws out the yeah. ban from MTV line, which is so this timely because he he did get banned from MTV. Uh, for I forget exactly what he did. He probably just said some no, offensive I, joke. No, I think he, it was the the Miss Muffet. I think he did the Miss Muffet bit on like the, something the on MTV, show? and then yeah, I on the award yeah. show, and it's over. But the funny thing is, you go and watch his bits now, and uh, man, they are so tame compared to some things that you hear. They're, seriously, like it's just it's vulgar humor, you know. Whatever, like it's it's nothing. Who gives a fuck? Like yeah. if, if if it's not for you, then turn it off. That was the whole yeah. vibe back then, and still is to this day. Yeah. But yeah, he 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 utters that line, and uh, oh, yeah, that's right. He said, "I could have been a rock star if it, if it wasn't for if, if if I wasn't banned from MTV." Yeah. And uh, and then he sees the two, the two. Uh, the punk gunslingers. Punk gunslingers. Yeah, I was referring to them as like the trench coat mafia. <laughs> pain. And, uh, they're they're just pain. Yeah, he's like you guys with the band, and they're like. Yeah, pain or something like that. He's like kooky. <laughs> yeah, kooky, right? <laughs> oh From man, there, so 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 good, so good. From there, <laughs> Ford goes to Johnny Crunch's boat in the Mar- Marina, as I like to refer uh, the brutal <laughs> comments every now and then. Um, and he he's speculating on the name of of Johnny's boat and finds out it's called the Mighty Penis. <laughs> <laughs> And he sneaks in the boat, and and he like he, he, first thing he steps on in the boat is a giant cock. It's a giant it's dildo, giant dildo. And then he just does love boat, <laughs> yeah. taking another run. And I just, he just makes all these little comments. That's what I love about it. I love the comments that he makes. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. And and the the, the next one is very timely too because I, lo- I think a lot of people forget this, but uh, yeah, he finds a VHS tape and it says like Kali and me and he puts it in and it's it's Johnny Crunch and Colleen uh from the you know Priscilla Presley and he's like what's this the Rob Lowe channel and if for those people that don't remember Rob Lowe made a sex tape back in the late 80s uh that's when his career went south for a minute because yeah, he made a sex tape and and was, I 
in the she was underage, right? I think I that think was, she was. I think she was she, like seventeen or something. I think she was right on the cusp. Yeah, <laughs> I can look it up, but you know, I don't want to get yeah. in trouble. No, no, it's yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, um, no, yeah. And, but the thing is, like, I think he was only like twenty something. Like, he wasn't really. He was super young. Like, it was early twenties or like nineteen or twenty for him too. But yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, that's where it went bad for him for a long time. And for we, a long time, yeah, he was out of the picture for a while, and he then he of, came yeah. back. He, I think, I don't think he made a comeback until uh, Parks Austin and Powers. Actually, oh yeah, okay, yeah, in like ninety whatever that was ninety six or ninety seven. Uh, but yeah, he was out. He made a movie called like Bad. Oh God, Bad Influence. I think it was. It was with James Spader, and uh, and Rob Lowe. And yeah, he was like the bad guy in it or whatever. And that was around the time he made the sex video. The rest is history. Look it yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but before that, he was a part of the Brat Pack. Yeah, he was on fire. He could have been the next Andrew McCarthy. Oh. Never mind. Oh, oh. <laughs> so Eddie, from there, he finds an invitation to Colleen's party, and it's July twenty fourth, and uh, in Bel Air. <laughs> and I don't know why I wrote that down, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm a poet and didn't know it. Hickory dickory duck. So from there, he he's just searching around. Oh, dude, can I do this one? Yeah, go ahead, <laughs> please. This is because this is actually. One of my favorite scenes in the movie. Oh wow! Is that he's he, he's looking around and he goes to like this little weird medicine cabinet. <laughs> yeah. But since it's a boat, there, it's not the medicine cabinet doesn't seem like it's a completely against the wall. It's like sort of in a divider, right? Yeah. So there's like it looks like there's kind of like a space behind it, the the, the cabinet. So Ford's just looking in the mirror and he opens the cabinet and right there, staring back at him, is Robert England and his character smile and he goes, "Hello, hello." <laughs> and Ford, he just he, uh, he looks around and he just closes the cabinet because that just makes everything go away. Yeah. And I love it. I love it because this movie, up until this point, and there's very they really try to tell you how much like Ford's super cool, but you realize that he's not really that cool, and you know, and no. day to day, and that's what makes it funny because he's not a good fighter, he's not a good shooter, he's like he's just he doesn't quite bumble his way, like he doesn't do like a Mister Magoo thing, but he's not like like Martin Riggs or something, right? He's not yeah. that. It's probably so why just, he's broke. Exactly. So the fact that like right when there's right when something startles him, he doesn't like punch it or pull out a gun that like Martin Riggs would do. He just closes it and basically tries to run away. Yeah. <laughs> and then they they have this pretty epic fight in the uh, in the in the boat. And yeah. it's funny because uh, Johnny Crunch has these three shotguns on the wall and on a shotgun rack, and Ford just rips the entire thing off the wall. And starts blasting all three shotguns at <laughs> at Smiley, which it's he's blasting holes in a boat. So the boat just starts taking a dive, just starts sinking because he's he's sinking the boat. And which is really gross if you think about it, because the boat looks like it's filled with just fluid. And, and to quote uh, another fun line from one of our movies we reviewed, Terror Vision, it's probably got a lot of sex lubricant, which is not <laughs> yeah. algae. Yeah, you know that boat just smells like KY jelly and, yes. um, and coconut anal, oil. Yeah, coconut oil and a- anal lubricants. <laughs> yeah, so so uh in in a nod to one one of Robert England's most famous kills in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, uh Ford takes a television and crashes it over Smiley's head. 
And so it reminded me of in, in the Dream Warriors when um, when Freddy Krueger picks up Patricia Arquette and bashes her head through the television screen. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that also the one that Rennie Harlan directed was Dream Warriors? No, he did part four. Ah, darn it. Okay, so close. So Dream close. Master, I think. Okay, okay. But yeah, but pretty close, pretty close. Yeah, but uh, close. But still, hey, whatever. Same universe. So there mm-hmm. you go. Rennie, Rennie Harlan directed a Freddy movie, so yeah, connection. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, oh, and I think the reason why, I think the reason, one of the reasons why he was able to get Robert England for this movie was his relationship with Robert England. I'm pretty That makes sure. sense. Yeah. That makes sense. He was probably like, okay, we can't, we, we, we can't get uh, Billy Idol. Let's, uh, I got somebody right here, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and I do love uh, uh, when Ford's like sort of getting out of the boat as it's sinking. He's getting back to his car. He's like, "Who was that smiling snapperhead?" And uh, <laughs> and again, I I call people smiling snapperheads, and I don't so I don't great. even know what it means. Uh, even so as a kid, I didn't know what it meant. I was like snapperhead. I don't get it, but it's funny <laughs> and I like it. Yeah, I don't even know what snapperhead means, but nevertheless, definitely worth using. So from there, he calls Jazz, and I love this because she picks up the phone and says, "Hit Pater with Cater," and I love the continuity. Yeah. I just I, I love continuity in general when 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 a when a gag is just played through the whole thing and it's consistent the entire time and he tells Jazz that he wants her to come to a party with him and she kinda gets all excited, which is really funny, which you'll find out in a moment. And uh Ford rolls up to Colleen's party, which is at the Bel Air Estates, and he, he sit looks out and he's like, Robin Leach, I fucked him. <laughs> Just funny because you're like you keep making these references like you fuck this guy, you yeah, fuck Clint Eastwood, you fuck Robin Leach. What's yeah? What does that mean? What does it even mean? Whatever. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Is uh, the band singer here at at <laughs> Colleen's uh, play? Is that the lead singer for Toto? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so because <laughs> he looks exactly like him. I thought you were gonna say it was was it the lead singer from. Uh, the the band in Tough Turf at the end, the, the club band. <laughs> no, no. This guy's definitely Toto. No, no, dude. Toto's got much, very similar looking with the mustache. But yeah, there's this <laughs> wedding band that's playing and he's singing, give me the simple life. Oh yeah. Totally like tr- <laughs> cheese ball white boy band. Yeah. And uh, Colleen rolls up on Ford and asks uh, if he's off, if he's off the case. And and then or she's like, did you come to ask for some money? And he's like, I came to talk to you about the case, but, you know, can I have some money? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but he's so desperate when he asks her. He's like, can I have some money, please? <laughs> oh, God, I love it. And so he's, you know, he's basically tells Colleen that he, uh, you know, he's like, why do you want me to find this girl? And he, he knows, you know, he knows about Johnny Crunch. And, uh, and then... Jazz shows up at the same time, and she's just looking hot. Oh, golly looking hot. gee Willikers, Batman. I mean, and he walks away from this. Yeah, the, the, this uh, this made me a man. And and when I was <laughs> when I was watching it last night, man, it made me feel like I was a kid again. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, he does like, something in this scene where I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, I that's a little offensive, it. dude. Yeah. He, he's like, I told you to dress nice. Not he does this thing with his hands, and then he smacks her boobs, and he's like, <laughs> he's like not nice like that and, and yeah. you know smacks her boobs to kind of emphasize it but can i tell you that when i was younger the jiggle that her boobs made i i rewound that multiple times when Dude, i was younger i mean i'm not gonna lie yeah it felt the same way and uh, uh felt loved, the same I, way I, oh <laughs> oh dude jazz yeah. man i love jazz i love it because he's like you know we're not on a date he's like but you know i'll take you out later 
throw a burger down your throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Julian shows up and, and Ford goes off to, you know, go talk to Julian. And Colleen uh, is is kind of in the, like a gazebo or something. And Jazz walks up and, and she's like, why are you following me? You know, and, and, uh, and then she makes Colleen turn around or makes Jazz turn around and shoves a CD down her back of her dress, which is funny because Jazz is acting like she's getting finger banged right now and like yes and they're like wait you just she's just putting a cd down your dress she's not sticking anything inside you yeah and and what what she does (laughs) like this weird motion she makes it's because i think it's supposed to be like maybe the cd plastic is cold so she's kind of doing that like arching her back thing but (laughs) 13 14 year old Corey (laughs) thought that was very erotic for some reason and i'm watching it now and i'm still like yes yes put that cd down the back of her dress (laughs) oh Oh, yes jazz (laughs) it's horrible (laughs) i mean guys i i full i i regressed i reverted to my more primal instinct (laughs) yeah yeah i could i could see why i could see why um and so from there they cut to ford and he's he's at the hors d'oeuvre table oh dude i love this moment can i take this (laughs) please please so first off he's like ors divorce you know so he grabs it puts it in his mouth he's like oh oh god this is terrible so he's well like, first of all hold on i have to cut you off and say yeah there's the sound of flies flying around the hors d'oeuvres yeah yeah okay i i picked up that too and I think that clearly that was added in post. Yeah. Um, I think to kind of sell him being grossed out by it. But it's weird because adding the flies make it seems like he's gross. It's it's bad food. Where the joke is he's uncultured swine and or is divorced. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't like it. But they added, yeah, like the little fly buzzing weirdly yeah, I, yeah. I it wasn't necessary uh but i think they did it to dumb it down you know yeah and uh so of course julie grindle comes up to him and his mouth is just full <laughs> of that food and so he, he can't say anything so he goes to high five him and i like how julie grindle goes i'm hip and he high fives him back <laughs> and and my favorite line and again one i say all the time he goes ford he goes you're an island of reality in an ocean of diarrhea <laughs> Yeah, there's like a, a like a weird mutual respect going on with these two guys at the moment. At, at the, the moment. moment, it's it's yeah. it's it's brief, but it's the thing is they're supposed to be like I guess you know they're supposed to be protagonist and antagonist, you yeah. know, one side of the coin. But yeah, man, you get the sense that just everyone was having a good time on this movie, and even though uh, he is a big name, yeah. Uh, it's from what everyone said. It seemed like he was a really cool guy. Oh uh, shit, what's his name? Wayne. Uh, oh, Wayne um, Newton. Yeah, yeah, Wayne Newton. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I, I got the sense that you can kind of feel it. Like the energy in this movie is palpable. Yeah. That like you can tell that everyone was just doing their game and everyone was having a good time doing it. Well, it's funny. Uh, just just to go back a little bit to the the making of featurette, which is literally five minutes and thirty five seconds, uh, maybe thirty six, but. It, they do interview Wayne Noon for a minute and he's talking about how all the roles he normally gets offered are the good guy. And I'm like, I don't think you did a lot of movies before this dude. I, I, all I knew you for was the song Donka Shane. And that was because of Ferris Bueller's day off. And I thought you were just like this Vegas. I only knew him as like a Vegas uh, performer, which is not anything to shake a twig at. Like that's a big deal. I get it. But I had only known him. So when I saw him in this, I was like, Wayne Newton. Okay. 
and he's and he's a great performer and i've only seen him play villains from this point on so whether he was typecast or not who gives a shit he's cashing in so and and you know what he kills it in this yeah, movie. Kills he it. is so fantastic. Funny. Not they use so many non-actors in this film. Yeah. And I mean, hey, this is a testimony to Rennie Harlan because the director is the one that directs the actors, and everyone does a great fucking job. Yeah. This the the, the the this movie. I've said it before on this episode. I will probably keep saying it. It is better than it has any right to be on paper. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, yeah, and so so yeah, he utters that awesome line to Ford and then Jazz walks up. He grabs Jazz cuz he's still got the food in his mouth. Grabs Jazz and he goes proceeds to make out with her, but you realize what he's doing is he's spitting the food that's in his mouth into Jazz's mouth. <laughs> and so now he can start talking. <laughs> Jazz is like staggering back like mm, she's trying to keep her composure also and he's introducing her and she's smiling and and uh and then julian's like mm, yeah nice to meet you so ford uh i think someone's trying to rip me off and suddenly you hear this guy the chef call out shark is served <laughs> i'm like oh shit they're eating shark and they cut to a shark being like on a sp- it's a fake shark it's not real but a shark on a spike and they're in and, and uh and julian's like oh, i can't pass up uh, you know, shark steak. It's it's the best, or something like that. <laughs> and Jazz takes Ford away, and uh, and she's like, you know, stick your hand down my ba- uh, my dress. And he's like, oh, you know, and uh, and she pulls the CD out, and she's like, I got it from Co- uh, Colleen, and and they put it in the car, and the, and and it's beeping, and Jazz fi- realizes it's a computer disc, and uh, and she's like talking to Ford, and he can't stop looking at her tits, and and he goes and he goes to kiss her. And he, I wrote, he wants to bang, you know? Yeah, and, of uh, course. And then she's like, Ford, that weekend was a mistake. And he's like, I'm sorry, I made you clean all the toilets in the bathtubs. <laughs> so, they ha- so their backstory is that they had a weekend after having a big case. And then after they had a good time, he made her clean all the bathrooms. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> he's such an asshole, dude. He's such an asshole. <laughs> but while, while you... <laughs> Well, you're oh my god! Well, you're composing yourself. I'll tell you right around this time. I can't remember exactly what leads up to it, but he he tells my favorite joke in the movie. Mine too. He's, I was he, just about to say it. Yeah. Oh shit! Oh shit! I already took your thunder from the last no, no. one. Do you want to? Okay, it's okay. Well, yeah. He's he's like what I I I'm shit. I use this joke. All, I used to you. I used to use this joke all the time. Yeah. He's like, what's the definition? What's the definition of a vagina? The box, the penis comes in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, it—I didn't get it until I got older and realized that "box" was a term that you used for vagina. And I was like, and I think one time when I actually heard that, I was like, literally, that joke just came flooding to me, and I was like, it all makes sense. Like the whole—I saw the whole universe making sense at that point. Yeah, I think I think uh, fortunately, or more to the point, unfortunately through my early adolescence, having a brother who's five years older than you exposes you to way too much inappropriate shit. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm talking inappropriate underlined three times. Like I was seeing way stuff. I would never expose my son. I remember, well, that, that's not even, that's off the table. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's just not, not cool, you know? So I was learning shit at an early age that I shouldn't have learned. And one of them was like, what's that all about? And my brother's like, we know what that means. I'm like, no, 
because I was like 10 at the time or 11. Yeah. Like, let let me be a little more. Let me be innocent for a couple more years, just, please. Just give me a couple more years, please. <laughs> would you? Please? Yeah. And and through this podcast, uh, I'm realizing, you know, what it was like, I guess, because, you know, I grew up an only child. Yeah. Um, although I, I technically have an older sister, uh, but she lived with my dad and I grew up with my mom pretty much. Uh, and so... I didn't have an older brother, and I, I'm realizing that it really does sort of shape your childhood to have an older brother to sort of influence you with these kind of things. Because yep. I had to, I was left to my own devices to figure a lot of this shit out. So for better, you know, for better or worse, your brother did, you know, tell you some things and inform you of some things, and for the good also came the bad, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, looking back now, it's like it is what it is. But yeah. back in the day, man, like. Uh... You know, the flashback, if I could go back in and be like, no, just give him something. Let him play with toys a little bit longer, you know? Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just give him a few more months. Just a, a few, few more. A little bit longer. So anyways, uh, cutting back to Ford, he's back at his pad and he with the koala. He's chilling with the koala. And he turns on MTV News, which is great. It's like that. God, it's such a memorable opening to MTV News. It's like this. And and fucking Kurt Loder, baby. Fucking Kurt Loder, baby. This is Kurt Loder with MTV News. And he reveals, I I love this. He's talking about the the funeral for Bobby Black is going to be, it's closed to the public. But then he says, (laughs) but it's at midnight at the Hollywood Cemetery. So he like reveals the location and the time, but it's closed to the public. Cut to the... Uh, a video, the, the the latest video from Black Plague with Bobby Black, and it's Rock and Roll Junkie, and Ford's watching the video and then sees Zuzu in the video as one of the groupies, and he's like, holy shit, it's Zuzu Pedals, right? From there, he cut to the funeral, and this guy, the guy who's letting people into the funeral is getting his getting a blowjob from three girls. <laughs> three girls! And he lets her in, and then Ford rolls up, and he's like, He's like, how much? And uh, how much? He's like, I can't believe you're scalping at a funeral, you know? How much? And the guy's like, 300 bucks. And he's like, but you charge those chicks 100. And he's like, yeah, because they blew me. <laughs> and then Ford's like, basically makes the face like, fair enough, 300 bucks coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the joke. He's like, yep, $300. Here we go. And just hands it and drives on through. So he goes into the funeral and he's walking around. And he's asking if anybody's seen Zuzu and. And then finally he shows the photo to to Zuzu and she's like, is this some kind of joke? And he looks at her and he starts freaking out. He's like, who killed Bobby Black? Who killed Johnny Crunch? Come on, come on. Like, tell me, tell me, tell me. And she's freaking I, I, out. I love that. I love his freak out because that's what makes him human. He tries so hard to be cool. And it's it's the, the human moments, the, yes. the, the stupid, silly moments <laughs> for Ford that is what makes the movie uh, endearing, truthfully. It's what keeps him from being just a complete asshole. He's not cool. No. Like, that's the thing. Like, he tries to be cool, and he is in some regards, but then, like, right now, he's like, oh, my God. He just tur- turns into a little kid and just starts, like, like spitting out all these questions as Zuzu, as Zuzu pedals. And it's just, like, you realize, you're like, okay, this guy, he's he, he's not the coolest dude on the planet. Well, he's desperate for cash, and, and, and finally he's, like, gotten the lead on something that's going to pay him a lot of money. So he's excited about that. I get that. Like a little – yeah, like you said, like a little kid. And and she she's she goes down – you know, to the ground and, and, uh, and he, and like, I forget what he says, but he makes some kind of reference to like her basically sucking him, sucking his dick. And she's like, you know, fuck you. And she punches him in the balls. 
and he hits, goes to the ground. He's like, Stanley, talk to me. <laughs> he's talking to his dick. Uh, and then Smiley shows up and he grabs Zuzu and Ford goes after her. She, he throws her in a limousine and takes off and Ford goes to his car. And this oh, which is like was the, just, which was just parked in the cemetery. Yeah. Like, and, the, yeah. And you know where Hollywood cemetery is. You've been there. I've yeah. been there. And for those people that don't know Hollywood cemetery does have big events. They have like large movie screenings on their, mm-hmm. on their grassy lawn. You're not on top of grave sites. Don't worry. It's not anything horrible like that, but you are in a graveyard. And yeah. so, it looks like cars are parked on top of grave sites and Ford's car. Yeah. Ford's car is right there, but this is the first of a few sad moments with his car. Yeah. Uh, horribly sad. And his, his white wall, beautiful white wall tires are totally slashed. Uh, so he can't drive his car and, uh, you know, uh, uh, smiley's driving off in the limo and England, uh, or sorry, Ford goes and steals a hearse <laughs> from these dudes that are like, you know, smoking behind it and they're j- laughing, basically implying that they just had sex with a chick. And they're like, and I thought we just got a good dental plan. Oh, and that's a Ford. That's a Andrew S. Glade joke. And yeah, Ford takes off with their hearse. And, and I, and I love the reaction when he, he's, he, he's sort of driving, but then he looks over his shoulder and sees that there's a body. Well, a quote unquote, I'm making air quotes bodies, but there's a girl in the back yeah. and, uh, and he just goes, ah, he just screams and he goes, mom. And they just kind of like go sort of composes himself. But it's, it's real again, it's very, very funny because oh, yeah. he, he's not cool whenever he does these non cool moments. Yeah, yeah, no, it's such a great, it's such a great mode. Yeah, because he screams like, "Yeah, mommy," <laughs> and then then uh, 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 Smiley calls. I don't know how he's able to get that number, but whatever. He calls the phone. Uh, he calls the uh, the car phone in the hearse. And- oh no! Wait, I think I think, and I know what you mean. Um, I think that Ford grabbed his phone oh, out right. of yeah, yeah. of his. Yeah, it, it's just a little thing, but yeah. So now, but but. Actually, to that point, we don't know actually how uh, Smiley got the phone number even to Ford's car phone. So it's the same thing. At the end of the day, same thing. No idea how Smiley got the the number, but it does make for some interesting interactions because the two of them are now – you don't see a car chase where the two people chasing each other are actually talking to each other at the same time on the phone. Yeah, yeah, because Smiley calls Ford and he's talking – and, of course, when Ford picks up the phone, he's like, hit pay dirt with K-Dirt. And so he's like – He's he's like, radio contest, really, Ford? <laughs> he he kind of makes fun of him, you know. But they, it's weird because every villain in this movie, he actually has a good rapport with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great, and 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 they're like having this banter back and forth, and uh, and and then next thing you know, Smiley's right next to Ford in his car, and Ford goes to shoot him with his <laughs> like flying gun, but the gun flies out of the holster and right into <laughs> Smiley's car. <laughs> The reaction on Ford's face as he looks at like the empty the empty sleeve and yeah. then Smiley just looks down, looks back up, he's like, No thanks, I got me own and pulls out a machine gun. But the look of just sheer joy on Smiley's face, he's like, What the hell is happening? <laughs> ah. It's so great. It's so great. So 
Uh, and then, of course, when he pulls the when Smiley pulls the gun out, I love the scream that Ford gives. Not nothing macho about Ford no. now at all. He's just completely like oh, screams as as Smiley just lights up the front of his car. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. keep in mind, they're not driving like through like 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 the strike because yeah, like you said, Zach, um, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery it does do events, and so there's like a road that goes through it, and there's you can park on the road and everything. You never drive like at all or park on the grass, but here they are just chasing each other through the cemetery, and th- there's there's no hills at the Hollywood for Forever like no. there is here. So this is clearly like they they took a field and then put some fake cemetery gravestones yeah. up, and and you know, but it's fun. It, it you never care. This movie no. just is always has a sense of being fake, and we never really – we didn't mention it earlier, but er, beginning in the movie, Fletch mentions uh, – Fletch, my God. <laughs> uh, Ford mentions multiple times. One, he calls himself a crime fighter. Another time, he calls himself a superhero. So right then and there, you, it establishes that this is kind of like a comic book, yeah. and you, you watch – you watch movies like um, John Wick now, and I know you don't like it, but it has this – it feels like a live-action comic book, but it has no comic that it was based on. It just feels like a live-action comic. This is sort of has the same feeling. It has that uh, – feels like a world that doesn't exist in our world, but it, it's sort of super – not supernatural, but it's just it's just heightened or something. It just feels like a comic book. I'm pretty sure, though and, – and yeah, this is not based on a comic book, but I'm, I'm pretty sure a comic book came out after this based on the movie. I'm mm. pretty sure, like at least a one-off. Okay. Um, I'll have to look into that. I don't know. Yeah, please look into that. Please yeah. look into that. Um, I will. Yeah, so, so the phone rings again, and – and so Ford, it's Jazz calling, but Ford picks up the phone and he's like, fuck you, you dirtbag piece of shit. And Jazz is like, hello, Ford. Hello to you too, Ford, or something like that. <laughs> and she just reveals that uh, uh, that uh, Julian is Colleen's ex-husband. And that, that kind of gets revealed. And he's like, well, J- uh, Jazz, I'm kind of in a bind right now. I got to call you right back. And he hangs up on her. Smiley calls back and Smiley says, yeah, I look forward uh, Oh, because yeah, because he says, oh, "Oh, Smiley, sorry, I was uh, talking to Jazz on the other line." He's like, "I look forward to raping her at your funeral." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so at that point, that's when the like the dead body. Well, she, the dead body, yeah, quote, falls, quote unquote, dead body. Yes, falls into the passenger seat of the car, and Ford's freaking out. Bro, uh, do as, you know who she is? I think she's a, probably a porn star, right? I think she was a porn star, but she's super hot, and she has some knockers on her. <laughs> yeah, like you said, for for a movie that has lack of nudity, it makes up for it with just the, the overall <laughs> sex appeal. Yeah. Um, and, this and, movie's horny. And so, uh, the, so the dead the dead body, quote-unquote, falls in and... Like, sitting next to it, like, shoots through, like, behind him, and, you know, of course, perfectly lands, so her feet kind of fly forward. So, like, she's sitting now next to him, essentially, sort of flopping around, like, flopping into his lap and stuff, but she's half scantily dressed, so he thinks that she's dead, so he's kind of freaked out, but at the same time, she's hot as hell, so he's like, hey, come here, oh, no, it's just (laughs) kidding. Yeah, so... So, so at the same time, the, yeah. Meanwhile, they're driving through this whole funeral of Bobby Black, and Bobby Black, his body is in a not a traditional um, uh, 
coffin. The coff- It's actually like a clear, almost like a time capsule with yeah. lights on the inside of it. Yeah. And up on like a pedestal, and it's round. So uh, they drive past Bobby Black's coffin, knock the coffin off its like pedestal, and the thing starts rolling down the hill, and all the groupies and everybody are following after it. And Smiley drives his limo into the empty grave, I yeah. think, a potential empty grave of Bobby Black, and crashes the car. Um, Ford pulls up next to it, and the uh, the, the girl, the chick, actually, next, the, the quote-unquote dead body, starts to wake up. And she utters the line, you morticians sure know how to party. And, and Ford's like, ah! <laughs> he gets out of the car. It's great because he's doing that thing where he's like looking straight ahead and he's kind of shaking, you know, yeah. as she gets up and he's like, ah, ah, yeah, yes. just runs away. He does. A, he does a great job, like acting stupid and silly, but then right away, like switching back to, to Ford Fairlane, you know, yeah, totally. And uh, <laughs> and so Smiley has split at this point, but Zuzu's still there and Zuzu sees Ford and and she's like, are you are you mad? And Ford <laughs> utters the line, "No, I'm ecstatic." <laughs> I love that. No, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> and then and, Anus, uh, hold on, I gotta say that real quick during the chase scene. Yeah, when he was chasing Smiley, and he does that thing with his hand, and he goes, "Come on, Smiley," as he's chasing him <laughs> again. I do that also. I, when I'm, if I'm driving, sometimes I'll put my hand up there and go, come on, smiley. Again, my wife doesn't know what any of this shit is. No. I need her to watch this movie. And I, I, and again, I didn't, I kind of forgot how much of this movie was a part of my lexicon yeah, until dude. just rewatching it, dude. Like just calling someone a smiling snapperhead. I it just, it just pops up occasionally. It's just, this movie is in my fucking DNA. I think whenever I, get paid for something i do go money 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 <laughs> so and i love to see like i love to hear what what you attach to like i love that money 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 thing but it's that wasn't what i attached to. it's it's cool to see that we sort of like attach to different things yeah. but then we, we there's the venn diagram of, of what we overlap on but i mean this movie I normally, when I don't show run a film, I only take like one sheet of paper's worth of notes, usually fully front and fully back. I have two sheets of paper, fully front, fully back, both of them, and it's all just quotes. Yeah. It's all just quotes. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. This is, there's, and I was, I, even before we went on the air, I was like, there's going to be so much to talk about in this movie, quote wise, outside of just the, the general movie itself. So, you know, two hours in, we're 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 like halfway through the movie at this point. <laughs> not really, but we're more than half. But yeah, anyways, no, we're, um, we're doing good. But so this anus, one is this one might be our longest episode. It might for a very good reason, and, and it's all good. So Anus shows up, and uh, and I love this when he shows up. Ford's like, "You do bar," Ford says, "You do bar mitzvahs," because he just the way he's dressed or whatever. Yeah, and uh, and Anus is fucking with him, and uh, Anus shows Ford Zuzu Petal's photo. And and he's like, I know who killed Bobby Black, and and Ford's like, you know, you're a fucking idiot, and and uh, he's like, you're he he goes, you're just spam, Ford, and he goes, and Ford goes, spam, you're a piece of spam, because that's what I think you are, that's what I think of you, you're a piece of spam. 
and Anus is like, get up, get the fuck out of here. And Anus is scratching his balls for like no reason. <laughs> I know. <laughs> for, I wonder, is that, I wonder know if that was Ed O'Neill's thing or if that I was... don't know, man, but he's, he's like digging in his balls. Like he's got, and, uh, and Ford says something like, you know, they've got ointment for, for that, that can fix that can cure that itch or whatever. <laughs> and so that's when the other detective, uh, says to anus he's like zuzu's gone or whatever or no no the because uh ford says the guy you want uh is is in the driver's seat or whatever and then the other detectives like he's no one's in here and then him and ford and amos at the same time both go what like you know yeah and then he's like yeah ford get out of here yeah and then ford goes with zuzu and takes her off he does he like doesn't even realize that zuzu's right there yeah they're right there yeah, exactly he's, yeah he's a completely inept cop <laughs> yeah he, he's a moron so so from there zuzu and ford go back to his place like the next morning and you know ford's kind of speculating on who killed jenny crunch and zuzu's just being a di- uh, a, a ditz and i yeah. love this line he's like Talking to Zuzu was like masturbating with with a cheese grater. <laughs> Slightly amusing, but mostly painful. Then <laughs> they walk in the house and they realize the koala's been hung from yeah. his ceiling fan. The, the koala is now dead. Well, you didn't think we'd kill the fucking koala bear, did you? <laughs> that, that comes later. And by the way, question... Why does every time Zuzu says fucking, she says flucking? And then at the end, when he says that thing about the koala bear, Ford says flucking there as well. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because they were the MPAA was so weird about that shit. Maybe they they were only allowed to say fuck so many times. Interesting. So maybe they had to trim that. I don't maybe maybe I don't know. That's my only theory as to why that is the case. I was thinking the same thing, too. I'm like, that's maybe got to be the only – because the MPA is such – it's stupid. Yeah. Um, and Zuzu turns on the TV, and it explodes. And Ford goes to check on her, and she's like, great video. <laughs> and he turns to where his Jimi Hendrix guitar is supposed to be, and the whole area is, like, on fire. And he's, like, freaking out. He's like, my guitar, my guitar, the Jimmy's guitar, you know. And then when he – puts the fire out with is Colleen's jacket that she was wearing when he first walked into her place. So he's like, you know, it's gotta be Colleen Sutton that did this. Uh, and then Zuzu suddenly is like looking at, um, the microwave and she's like, Ford, are you cooking something? And she looks over the microwave and the microwave's counting down. And, uh, Ford's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And it's like, run moron. Yeah, and she's like, oh, wait, my purse. And he's like, jump, nitwit. <laughs> jump, nitwit, as they're running toward the, uh, towards the boat or whatever on yeah, the beach. And the I love it. And, she, and, and, you know, they're waiting for that explosion. And I love how she's like, uh, well, maybe it was just a pot pie. Yeah. And then, boom, the whole house explodes. Whole thing explodes. The whole thing. The whole thing explodes and, and, uh, and just decimates everything. And then the, the the kid shows up and he's all beat up and he basically you know, reveals that he got jumped by the the punk gunslingers. And yeah, because he and that's how they know who did it because the kid says two guys with black trench coats, so we know yeah the punk gunslingers are the guys. Yeah, yeah, and then and then now the kid's pissed off at him because he doesn't think he's looking that Ford's looking for his dad, and they're walking out to Ford's car. And he's like, oh, oh, no, no. He walks out to his parking lot where the car is supposed and, and he sees his car. And they're like, oh, they brought my car back for me from the shop. And he goes and he pushes the button to un- unlock the car. 
and the whole thing explodes. It just <laughs> I a love huge it. explosion. And I I just wrote down no because yeah. I love that car. It's so beautiful. <laughs> But it was it was a great shot of him getting blown back through the fence and Zuzu pedals like blown off like whatever she was sitting on. It was I oh. mean it was funny. I like I liked it, but I know that that car was cherry and yeah, that that sucks, man. That's, but you know what? The Batmobile's always got to be destroyed, you It's know? always got to be destroyed. Yeah, and 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 you know the the Hemikuda and Phantasm always gets blown up and it always comes back. So there is hope for the there, Ford Fairlane. Always hope. I mean, if Mad Max can get his car back, anybody can. Right, exactly. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello. La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week, we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like any. iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. This Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Buddies. And now, back to the show. From there, Ford and Zuzu are now hitchhiking. <laughs> and this Damn. Corvette, this black Corvette. Did you which see has, what the license plate yeah, says? Unpour. It has a license plate that says unpour. <laughs> <laughs> and they go to pull over to, to pick up Ford and Zuzu. And Ford and, and Ford and Zuzu walk up to the car and they blaze off and like, kick rocks all over their faces because yeah, they're and, assholes and they yeah they they flip them the bird and uh they flip them off and then right at the exact same time as ford's getting pissed off across the street is melody that's her name the kari wars character from earlier in the in the in the movie who you know the one who didn't shave her legs when she's wearing a dress like that if you know what i mean i don't know he's not talking about her legs um 
She picks up Ford and Zuzu in her Jeep and she takes him back to her sorority house. Of course, of course. Which is definitely UCLA. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's UCLA for sure. But I <laughs> love this scene because as they're walking into the sorority house, uh, the Cradle of, Cradle of Love by Billy Idol is playing and it will forever be burned in my memory. And Ford's just mouth agape as yes. just the – they basically took – Every single college movie, you know, Animal House style thing, and had all the girls. I mean, they're 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 just what are they doing? They're, they're oh, I pillow fighting. In, pillow in fighting. Their they're playing Twister. They're playing sucking Twister. corn dogs. Yep. <laughs> they're and they, yeah. And there's like and there's like fifty of them, like because they're yeah. all doing stuff. They're all hot. They're all wearing next to nothing. And then right in front of Ford is this girl in this like half shirt, adjust, like like adjusting a light bulb. Yeah. And like her boob, her boobs are like right in his face, you know. But I love like just Ford. He, he looks like he's gone to heaven. He's just like, oh, oh my god. And and Andrew Dice Clay does just some great facial like yeah. acting here. It's he's just dumbfounded and awestruck essentially. Well, and he even says he's like maybe I. Did die in the explosion <laughs> you know and because I, I love when he says like that like that was that wasn't a narration he like says it to somebody but they don't yeah. even know what they're t- what he's talking about he's no. like maybe i did die in the explosion i mean come on it's so funny too because rock, rock the cradle of love is a song about having sex with an underage girl let's uh, be of honest course. and you know it's so funny because at this time like you think about the winger song 17 she's only 17 daddy says she's too young but she's old enough for me uh and then there was another song uh uh, uh, oh shit i forget what it's called but um but the line is like she's just 16 years old leave Mm -hmm. her alone they say oh into the night by benny mardrones and uh and Bodie, my son loves that song because they played all the time on this radio station we listen to and and he's in one one time in the back seat he's like i hear him singing he's like she's just 60 years old and and i and he goes what and i and he goes what is she 60 i go yeah Bodie, she's 60 yes she's 60. Like, yes that's it's okay yes, that's the answer <laughs> so so turns out ford is at the i ate a pie sorority of course <laughs> that's he is the name of, of the sorority course he, is. <laughs> he calls jazz uh, but she's got a gun to her head, and she's acting like everything's okay because the, the the punk gunslingers are the ones holding the gun to her head. And then next thing you know, the sorority girls are, like, asking about all the different rock stars, basically wanting to talk shit about all these rock stars. And cut back to Jazz, who's with the, uh, you know, the punk gunslingers. And they throw her out of the fucking window of Ford's office the second story, throw her out of the window. If this movie wasn't any more politically correct, it just got even worse beating yeah. the shit out of a woman by two guys, and they're laughing their asses off. And I realize now, I don't think I ever put it together, uh, I realize now that the Sam the Sleazebag, Sam the Scumbag? Wait, Sam, Sam the Sleazebag, right? Sam yeah. the Sleazebag, yeah. He the scene of him jumping and and getting away that was necessary to show uh, that that she would survive this toss out the yes. window and I yeah. almost and I almost wonder if that scene was sort of refilmed later like I because I always felt like Sam's punishment was a little weird and it almost felt like it didn't kind of fit because they cut it in a way that was like hey here's what we're gonna do and then they cut 
right to the 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 Clippers, yeah. meaning like it, you can tell that maybe they could have cut something out right there. And I wonder if they were like, you know what, Jazz gets thrown out the window. Why would she really survive? We need to show that she can. Let's go back to the Sam the sleazebag scene, refilm that, and have it go this way. I, my gut kind of says that maybe it wasn't supposed to go that way originally, and it yeah. was just used to show that she would survive it. That that totally makes sense. I, I could see that. I also feel like, too, she's she's a badass character, you find out. Like, she's actually tougher than she, – she's got, like, a, a tough side to her, too. Is She's tough and sexy. Yeah, yeah. But we do get – and I don't remember where it is in the scene, but uh, uh, Zuzu says something to him. And I lo- and he goes to her, he goes, why have you come to my planet? And I just <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, so great. I love that so little great. line. Yeah, cause, and then she – yeah, she's, like, super annoyed that she's at the sorority because it's – because she doesn't have any interest in being there. Yeah, uh, she's a and, punk girl. She's not yeah. going to want to be at a sorority place. No, and 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 now Ford's now getting inducted by the sororities. Uh, like they're doing a ceremony to induct him, and as they're doing that, she's like making the dick sucking motion, like yeah. give me a fucking break, kind of thing. And at the same time, the uh, the dirt bike gang, sorry, the punk gunslingers show up with their motorcycles, with their motorcycles and their guns. And uh, at the same time, Ford sees them. He tells everybody, you know, to, to get down and hide. He jumps out, jumps outside. Uh, he goes over to the black Corvette that flipped him off earlier. Just so happens it's right next door at a at a frat house, and he rolls it down the street, which crashes into all the motorcycles. Uh, this frat dude who walks out, who looks like. With a bunch of teenagers, he looks like he's 40 years old. Yeah. He's, he's basically almost bald on his head. And, and I know that actor. I forgot his name off the top of my head, but he's, yeah. he's in stuff later, and he plays sort of like sort of an effeminate kind of guy. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's balding. And you can tell, sadly, he probably was the correct age there, but he has a very – he has like a 40-year-old's hairline. Oh, yeah. He, at he at 20. way out of place. But yeah. he does utter the line, dudes, they to- executed my vet. Well, oh, no, you, oh, sorry. But so once once they crashed the thing, the yeah. the um, the gunslingers, they say, let's cut our losses, and they toss a grenade into the vet and blow it up. And that's, that's right. When he says they executed my vet, yeah, and then Ford looks at him. He goes, "Need a lift?" Yeah, that, I mean that was great. So and, great, yeah. So very contrived, but also so very satisfying. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's so great. And then right after that, you see Jazz roll up, and she's like, looks beat to shit, but she still rolls up anyways because she loves Ford, and she has, she still has the CD. And Zuzu's like, oh, I have one too. It's kind of like this. She starts describing the music. It's really lame. Like she, she does. She definitely get, kind of gets grating on you after a while because she's such a ditz. And uh, and I love when Ford calls her bird brain. Like that actress. And it's not. It's not the character. It's actually the actress herself. She kind of, in my opinion, is kind of an annoying actor. Like if you watch her in some kind of wonderful, she's annoying in that too. She's okay. annoying. She always kind of plays an annoying character. So I really only know her from this, but I see her IMDb. She's got like eighty some credits, but I'm like, I really only know this. Yeah, I mean, look, she's she's effective at what she does because yeah. every character they do write her as that I've seen her in, she plays this similar type. Okay. Oh, so you, so you're saying that essentially she plays Zuzu and and everything else really? Yeah, just the, that's, like that's her shtick. Yeah, it's her shtick being like okay. the ditzy blonde or whatever. Anyways, uh, one thing can I say about Zuzu Petals? Please. Uh, I 
I have a little bit of a tan line fetish because of her in this movie. <laughs> she had such insane tan lines and I and I was at such an impressionable young age that even now I was watching I was like mm, milky boobs. <laughs> My god. <laughs> if this makes the tape, you, it's in your it's going to your grave. <laughs> From there, from there, from there, uh, Ford goes to Julie Grendel's office at the top of the Capitol yep. building, Capitol Records building, baby. Oh, and I mean, I anytime I drove past awesome. that in L.A., yeah. I always thought of this movie. A hundred percent, dude. It, it did not even matter every time I drove past the yeah, Capitol I, Records building. I have this. I have uh, this fascination with heights and people in peril. And so this sequence that's coming up is is one of my favorite all time action set sequences. Mm. Uh, it really is like anything where you're like on the edge about to fall off. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, yeah, they go they go to Julie's Julie Grendel's uh, office and Colleen's with them. And Ford's like, you know, I'm solving the case. And then suddenly Julian shoots Colleen. Well, and- he, well, because he's yeah, yeah. I'm solving the case. And he basically says, Colleen's the one that did it. And yeah. then Julian pulls out a gun and blasts her. Yeah, and then shoots. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, he runs over to Colleen. To, Ford runs over to Colleen to check on her, and she's mumbling something. She's like, Art. He's like, Artvarks? Artvarks? He's like trying to basically Pictionary the shit out of her, whatever she's, her last words. And she's like, Art Mooney, stupid. And. <laughs> And Thanks. Juli- I needed that. Yeah, right. And then Julian's like, you know, all right, Ford. I want you. I want the three CDs. And uh, and this is great because Ford Ford's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And and then Julian's like, he's like, are you what are you gonna do? Ford's like, what are you gonna do? Threat? Torture me? And he's like, I'm not gonna torture you. Uh, he's like, I'm gonna torture your your prized possession. And he pulls out the the oh the the punk gunslingers at this point show up and. And he put, and they have the Ford's guitar. He's like, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna torture your guitar. And then that's when Ford yells out. He's like, rape. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so he's so. Uh, and he, but, and yes, uh, Snapperhead's there too, or Smiley's there. Oh, and Smiley's the guns, there. Like well. it's basically every, the whole the whole kitten caboodle. All the bad guys are there. Yeah, the whole like Scooby Doo crew is there, and and uh, and and Ford gives in. And he's like, but you know, they're they're in a safe place, and 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 if the cops don't hear back from me by seven p.m. tonight, then uh, the, or if I gave them to uh, the press, and if they don't hear by seven p.m. tonight, they're gonna go to the cops. And I love this because without skipping a beat, Julie Grendel says, "Well, Ford, it's seven thirty, so you need to tell time." <laughs> you need a watch, Ford. You need a watch, Ford. So. Uh, you know, Julian's like, I need, I need to go see this Kyle. I need to go to the Kyle Troy release and uh, and see Don Cleveland, and I'm going to kill him. Essentially, he's like, I'm, I'm. Yeah, gonna, he does the whole bad guy explain everything. I'm going to tell you everything. Well, yes. actually, well, well, sort of it, but you don't get the full. Is this where you get? He talks about the the stocks, like the full no, plan. Not is, yet. 
Now okay, you're... okay, that's coming up. That's coming okay, up. yeah. So you know he's going to do dastardly deeds, but you still we don't have the full plan right here. No, you, you know, but you know that Julian is obviously the, the the ringleader behind all this, but you don't exactly know why just yet, and because they don't have the seat, all the seat, and you you do now know that there's three CDs, not two. Yeah. And you're like, where's the third one? We, yeah, we don't have the third one. We don't yet. know where the third one is at this point. Yeah. So at that point, while Julian's explaining his whole, you know. Uh, Dr. Evil monologue. Ford takes a uh, his drinking glass that, that Julian had and like smashes it over his head. And then instead of Julian hitting Ford, he kicks Zuzu yeah. <laughs> instead. And and then Julian throws uh, Ford's guitar out the window and Julian orders all of them dead. And then, you know, Ford goes over to, to Zuzu to check on her and he asks for her earring and her gum and uh and he's and he's like you know his monologue is like you know i'm gonna pull the 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 earring and the gum and the light socket trick and he's like i've never done this before but we'll see if it works and he basically sticks the gum and the the earring in the light socket shorts out the socket for a minute and they split zuzu and ford split and uh they run they go up the well it, it yeah uh, it shorts out the lights so all the yeah. all the lights in the room essentially go dark yeah the lights go dark and ford and zuzu leave the office and uh and <laughs> they take the stairs and they inadvertently or purposely well, i don't know well, i i so well he makes a comment later about well i guess no uh no fire escape he was trying to go to the fire escape she That's wanted right. to go down he wanted he goes let's go up and so yes. they went up <laughs> they went and yet up it's and it's the Capitol Records building, which, if you guys don't know, uh, just you, you should Google it so you can see what it looks like. It's just a circle. Yeah, it's a circle. There's no fire escape There's on nothing. it. There's nothing. There's yeah. nothing. And, and you're at the you're you're at the top, and you're gonna fall over the side. And they they get up to the point and, he, and up to the top, and Ford goes, "I'm losing my mind." <laughs> and, and then he utters the line, "Top of the world, ma." And yep. uh, next thing you know, the 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 gunslingers show up and start shooting at them. And Ford and Zuzu very slowly. They're at the top of the of, of the building. There's like these eaves, these kind of overhangs, and there's like gaps in between them, like maybe like a like a three foot gap in between each of the eaves. And they're like climbing down in between those gaps to, from one level to another, starting at the top of the Capitol building down to the bottom. And it's really fucking tense. Like this is again, this is one of my favorite kind of tension scenes in a movie because it it looks so realistic and you can just feel like how nervous they yeah. must have been as actors and I, even on the little mini documentary um making of dice mentions how nervous he was about that he, he kind of gave a hats off to the stunt people because he didn't have to go through serious stunts but he still had to be on top of the capitol building and that was terrifying to him and, and it was it was pretty terrifying and because even when they because you got to like lower yourself from the next level down, and yep. if you miss your, you know, if you land wrong, you're gonna fall backwards or whatever, which is we sort of see coming up. Yeah, and I and I love what as uh, as uh, as Zuzu, as Ford's letting Zuzu down to the next level. She's like, you know, be careful, Ford. He's like, don't worry. He's like, if you fall, I'll be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, yeah, I wrote, I wrote that down, dude. I love that he goes. He goes. That's all right. If you fall, I'll make it. Yeah, I'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. At the exact same time, the soundtrack that Yellow, the band, has done is so fucking cool. It's like this 
synthesized horn like dun, 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 dun. it's so frenetic and so good it's so 90s i just i love like every everything that's happening right now yeah. smiley's chasing them too and he's laughing and giggling and then- and- and then that other uh, that other punk gunslinger, not the blonde one who got his ball shot off by RoboCop, but the other one yes, is kind of like so they're they're down on one level. He's kind of catching up, and they can't go down a straight line. They have to like go down and then kind of shimmy a little bit and find another opening. Go down, shimmy another way, and kind of find another. It's not like a straight shot from no. each level to each level. So they're kind of shimmying over. They've already gotten to that level below the other hitman. Yeah, and so he's got his gun in his mouth and he kind of drops down you know but he wasn't expecting them to be there so he kind of gets startled by Zuzu and he's like starting to lose his balance so she grabs the gun out of his mouth and then shoots him in the head Yeah, and he's like his body like starts falling she's like ew gross and then as his body is like falling it goes right through like a double decker tour bus from the top yeah so so this, this moment is so great because it cuts to the tour bus right before he falls and the tour bus is like this is the world's famous capitol building and as you can see and right as she's talking the body like uh goes through the bus in between the people sit it's an amazing stunt it's it's an amazing stunt because it goes in between these actors i mean the the bus is full of a you know bunch of actors and man the 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 error the room for error there is just so minimal it's so minimal it's so minimal, and and I love the tour guide. Is like, and as you can see, uh, anything can happen in Los Angeles or Hollywood or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> and so, yeah, and it cuts back to Zuzu, who has the gun, and what does she do? She says, ew, and she throws the gun over the edge, and Ford's like, why did you do that? And she's like, oh, guns are gross or something like, like gross. that. She's like, like what? fucking idiots. I <laughs> oh, know. my God. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So now, so now at this point, Smiley grabs Zuzu, and he pushes her off the edge of the building and uh, Ford and Smiley are battling. And then at that point, that's when Ford sees uh, he, as he's battling Smiley, he sees the Flintstone ring on Smiley's hand and he's like, Oh, you know, and, and uh, no, I think they were already, they were already hanging at that point when he sees it. Cause so yeah, I know it's so like, there's a scuffle. They all three fall. And the only reason I want to bring it up is because as they're falling, Zuzu's screaming. And I love how oh, Smiley. Yeah, of course. S- Smiley's screaming too. He's. I love how he's screaming as well. Yeah. But then Ford's going, Mahe, Mahe. Yeah. And then, then they land through one of those overhead thingies and they all kind of go through. And so Ford is standing there, like kind of holding them all as they're all hanging from him. Yeah, he falls through like the, the eve. They, they like yeah. fall through the eve. Uh, Zuzu's holding on to Smiley. Smiley's holding on to Ford. Ford. And so. Uh, and then yeah. Zuzu kind of climbs up and she's, so she's now on the awning and then Ford finds his, his guitar. He sees his guitar up there. Yeah. So and then that's what I, I love the, the I, guitar. Part. I love this. So, so first of all, that my hair, my hair is totally uh, Travolta from Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. And which is so great. I used, I used to say that all the time too. Like my hair always hits my hair. And yeah. So when this happens, before we get to the, the guitar part, I have to point out uh, it, it's such a brief moment, but there's a there's a one the floor like directly above them as they're all hanging there's a light on and there's a guy 
in this office building, like doing a weird fucking dance or something. I don't know what I, he's I th- doing. I think he's doing the air guitar thing where his arm is going. I, but this was the very first time I've ever noticed too, it, dude. dude. I didn't, I didn't even think to bring it up, but you're hundred percent correct. And I, I literally noticed it this time. This guy is doing some crazy like air guitar motions <laughs> and you could just tell that it probably wasn't a part of the 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 movie because no. I think it was the Capitol Records building. Yeah. It was still yeah. that. You yeah, know? It's so great. And yeah, so that's happening. And then Ford sees his guitar. Well, yeah, right? he he's sees like, his guitar, and he's like, and he's like, Zuzu, my guitar. I found my guitar. I found my guitar. I found my guitar, Zuzu. It's all scratched up. Zuzu. Yeah, then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then yeah, it's that's when he's up. like, wait. Yeah, because he sees his guitar. He's elated. He's so excited about it. He's like, I found my guitar. And then he goes, wait, it's all, it's all scratched up. It's, it's all, all scratched, scratched up. up. And it's like the little kid on Christmas that opens Susan. up the present and didn't and got the sweater instead of the, you know, the BB gun that he wanted. <laughs> and, yeah. I, just, and so, I don't know why I love the way he said Susu. <laughs> it's, it's all scratched up. <laughs> yeah, super emotional about so so yeah zuzu's like you know uh you know ford like kill him kill smiley he's like i can't he's 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 the kid's dad i can't do that you know and uh she's like oh the kid oh right and so at that point ford makes the choice to take the guitar and drop it on top of smiley's head which causes smiley to fall from ford's legs onto the ground through a fucking piano, a random piano that these dudes are bringing into the Capitol Records building. But as he falls through the piano, and then you see this beautiful Jimi Hendrix guitar that's, you know, in the movie, it's it's priceless. It comes crashing down to the ground and just shatters into a million pieces. Yep. Oh, man. It's such a damn shame. Yeah. And so Zuzu kisses Ford, and then then she, like, leans back. She's like, oh, tongue you you perv or something like that it's so weird it's such a and i'm like really she, she looks like a kid but anyways um at, they get down to the bottom of the building and <laughs> i love the scene this is when the these two this tourist family shows up and to see ford and zuzu and they're like oh could you tell us how to get to the man's chinese theater <laughs> and ford <laughs> looks at me goes go back to michigan and they're like well we're from wisconsin he goes yeah and i'm from my daddy's penis <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and, I, and I love like what's what's prior to that is because they don't know that what they're landing on is yeah. the ground. So they yeah. think it's just another level. Mm. So when they land, they're like they're doing the whole like bracing themselves, yeah. like trying to to, you know, steady themselves. And then there's people like right behind them as they turn. Around. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Yeah, they're like they're afraid they're going to fall off the next floor. So, yeah, they're down on the ground. They're safe. And then Jazz shows up. And then uh, Zuzu's like, oh, your friend has a star on the Walk of Fame or something like that. And they realize it's Art Mooney's star right next to the Capitol Record building. And it's a CD. I love this scene. It's really fucking smart. They tap, they push, they press down on the CD that like marks his uh, name and it opens up to reveal the third CD. Yep, really cool. I always liked that. I always thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, it's it's really great. And uh and then it cuts back to Don's club, and Sheena E is playing. She's awesome, dude. Like, and she's beautiful too. And it's just oh like, god, yeah, yeah. It's just fucking rocking it. And then uh, Julian sees Don, and he wants to talk to him in private. And, uh, and 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 they go outside, 
and Ford cuts back to Ford and he's got all three CDs and he puts them in a CD player. And this is where it's like really dated because it's like, oh, they realize it's a CD pirating ring. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because Julian doesn't want to pay his musicians their money, the royalties. So he's pirating their music. <laughs> Like an illegal pirating operation, CD operation. It's so, it's so lame on one hand because it's like it's such a stupid, like reason why he's the why he's such an evil person. But it yeah. is what it is. It's like you had to have something. You it, had to have something. It's fine. And, like yeah, I don't give a fuck because at this point, I'm like I don't care why. I just want to see more comedy. Yeah. Um, cuts to Julian with Don in the alleyway, and he's about to kill him. And then Jack... I love how Don was like, with friends like you, who needs enemas? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got great fucking delivery. Uh, and then Jazz, Ford, and Zuzu show up, and and they run over the they knock over the the, the trench coat, uh, the blonde gunslinger, one. the blonde one. And yeah, the remainder Don. of the two. And then I love uh, I love when Don's like. He's like, what the fuck is going on? Slowly. <laughs> you know, he's like, can tell me, can someone tell me what the fuck is going on? Slowly. Like slowly. And then Zuzu's like, well, <laughs> this happened. Like, you fucking moron. <laughs> I know. And that was, that was an easy joke. Like, that was like. <laughs> it's the, funny yeah. though, dude. I, I but laughed. it was funny. It I was laughed. Funny. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. It was a simple. <laughs> here we go. It wasn't easy. It was a simple joke, but sometimes, you know what? Simple works, baby. Hey, simple works. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was one of the few moments where I, I was like, actually, Zuzu's really funny in this moment. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then, uh, you know, the, Ford it goes after Julian. Uh, Jazz starts fighting the, the gunslinger, which is cool because she gets like a good hit in on him. And, well, and, uh, and this is where the the karate lessons that Ford mentions earlier. Yes. Yeah, it's, fucking callback, it's, dude. Dude, it's in. It's actually pretty fucking incredible Continuity for such callback. a for such a stupid fucking movie. It is very <laughs> tightly written. You know yeah, what I mean? Dude, it's it's smart. Like it's it, yeah, it's not stupid. I mean, it did take there. There are five guys uh, uh, writing credits on this for uh, an IMDb, but uh, but yeah, dude, it's again, it's it, it's so much more impressive and tighter and and more well constructed than it has any right to be i mean this is an andrew dice clay vehicle what the fuck does this have to like actually have like good writing and callbacks no you don't need to do that but guess what it does that's what's fucking awesome about it yeah it's it's fucking awesome and nothing is wasted nothing in this there is no scene there is no bit of information that is wasted in this film yeah you're we're coming up on quite possibly quite possibly my favorite moment of the movie um (laughs) very soon because we cut back to julian who is like trying to maintain his composure and he's introducing uh kyle troy to the audience and his his big new you know get and he just he's like the voice of the 90s kyle troy (laughs) the next one because this is 1990 which is crazy that this movie came out 30 years ago um so Julian, and it's, am- it's amazing how, how, like, 
the eighties that we think of is definitely like later eighties, you know, that's yeah. when it gets just the craziest, but it, it's always interesting because like decades always, the first part are still sort of prior, meaning like early, like 81, 82, 83 still feels very seventies. And then yeah. I, I, I always think nineties is just grunge and, and gangster rap, but really I'm 1990 looks very 1980s. Yeah. It, 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 it was right. I mean, obviously it's, it's the beginning of a new decade and a new century sound and and the 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 metal uh the 80s glam metal was was pretty much going out of fashion at this point like we were i'd say another year or so we were completely over that and if you were still into like that 80s you're trying to do that 80s glam thing it wasn't working but yeah this movie really like is a nice time capsule of as to what was kind of considered cool back then because all this shit was considered cool back then let's be honest yeah. right so I love this because Julian gives his speech uh, to introduce Kyle Troy, the voice of the 90s, and he's got the microphone in his hand. He puts the microphone down, and you see, like, Zuzu's hand grab the microphone, uh, <laughs> which is so funny. You're like, what's she going to do with the microphone? Uh, Julian's in the back. Oh, it cuts back to Jazz fighting, uh, getting her ass kicked by this gunslinger and who saves the day but sam the sleazebag and he's like you know i was just like you and i disrespected women or something like that and he's like well actually the great thing is he another callback uh he says what ford said to him Mm -hmm. which is you're 10 seconds away from from the most embarrassing moment of your life yeah but he said it with that lift that he had but i but i love this like i do actually really love this because as a he again, Sam the Sleazebag could have been this character that just gets thrown away uh, at the beginning of the movie, but he actually has a fucking arc. Yeah. And he comes back as a hero. Yeah, he's like a what hero. the fuck? Like like how how awesome is that? Like how many times do you see that in a movie? Not not too often where like a throwaway character like comes back at the end as as like a a good person because he was affected by what Ford. You know, I mean, it just. I don't know, man. It was. It's again. Fuck. It's cool. It's yeah. awesome. It's it's really good. I That's think it, the thing. It again. I think it deserves a lot more credit than maybe it's been given back in the day. Because it it's yeah. It's a great fucking moment. And not, not on top of that too. Yeah. He he's he's having this great moment, and he has another moment a little bit later on as well, yeah. which is really cool. Um, and so it cuts back to Ford. And he's backstage, or Julian's backstage, uh, where Kyle Troy is about to perform. <laughs> and Ford shows Julian the CDs, and Julian like grabs, punches <laughs> Ford, and Love grabs, just like grabs him and just starts eating them. So, he yeah. just starts fucking eating them. Yeah, so he doesn't. Him in his mouth. He doesn't just grab them and br- he starts he starts breaking the CDs, but then he starts eating them. With his teeth, I love it, and and I it's know. cutting his teeth like he's got bloody lips. Yeah, he's got at this blood coming out of his yeah. mouth. It's and, great. and Ford's like, Ford's like, oh, it's a good thing I made copies of those things. And Julian's <laughs> face is just like defeated. I and, love, well, it's great because he says, "Fuck me." Yeah, fuck me, and uh, <laughs> it's so great. And so at that point, now Julian's starting to reveal why he did this in the first place. And you see Zuzu kind of creep up behind both of them with the microphone in her hand, and Julian's revealing like. You know, he's confessing. He's doing a Scooby-Doo confession of, like, why Yeah, he... which is basically, it's like, what is it, like, uh, you know, I, just I realized make... that, that uh, you know, how many, how much Julie Grendel, the, or Grendel Records was making, but how little Julie Grendel was making, you know? Yeah. And, and then Ford's like, to make oh, money. yeah, you gotta, 
Yeah, it's a shame you got to pay the artists that you actually support. You yeah, know? yeah, he just wants that to make, make the money. music. Yeah, and then he he's he's like, you know, I I've got people like this uh Kyle Toy and uh or Kyle Troy or whatever the hell whatever the, the what the, he goes I've got a total idiot like Kyle Toy or whatever the hell his name is uh and uh and then you cut to Kyle this is my favorite moment in the movie you cut to Kyle Troy on stage because now Zuzu's holding the microphone up and everyone him, in the audience can hear it and everyone can hear all this shit and when he, he calls him a total idiot you cut to Kyle Troy's face and he's got t- tears coming down his face <laughs> He's crying. So picture, He's crying. picture this like little kind of like uh very very like like wispy, pretty. very pretty man. He's very just pretty. pretty, like Richard Marks hair with a very pretty like very gentle Ken doll face on stage, just looking out at the crowd and like giant teardrops coming down <laughs> his face, dude. I'm like that's the gif I want in life. I know. Like, I love that. <laughs> and so and I love this it gets even better because because it's just the punchline of this whole bit that that uh, Julian Grendel's revealing. Because he's talking about how much like he hates the industry. Essentially, yeah. he's he like, hates everyone. Ba- basically, fuck these people, fuck this in- industry, fuck this, fuck that. I even pissed in the punch bowl. Yeah, I even everyone standing the around punch the punch bowl. bowl spits it out <laughs> in unison. Yeah, everyone spits it out, and then at that point, Zuzu. Uh, he he sees Zuzu and, and with the oh microphone. no well, well yeah at that point Ford's like you got anything else you want to confess and I like I like how Julie's like what you got a wire on you <laughs> yeah he's like well no and then and then Zuzu reveals that she's got the microphone and then uh, she's singing some stupid Carpenter's song or whatever and uh, and he goes and he grabs Zuzu well he, he grabs her because he chases her in front of everybody from outside of the from behind stage onto stage yeah and then jazz runs out and she tells the bartender uh for two she asked the bartender for two sambuca uh drinks right and 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 uh julie and, and i like this scene because like julie grabs uh zuzu but i like how the a security guard comes to to rescue Zuzu, like yeah. you know what I mean, like because even though Julie Grendel's the 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 big time record producer, you know, right when he grabs her, I like how a security guard just runs over to to get her. Yeah, it, it, it's like she's out of the she's safe now. She's out of the picture, and and, and Julian is on the on the stage with Ford, and with I lo- a gun with a gun, Ford. And, and he's pointing the gun at Ford, and I fucking love this. I fucking love this. This is like when it went a little Gonzo, and uh, Ford takes the sambuca. Uh, Jazz gives for the Sambuca, throws the Sambuca drink on Julian Grendel, and remember back to what the Sambuca does, the whole point of the Sambuca. And Julian's like, you know, laughing it off, like not a big deal. And Ford sets him on fucking fire. Yeah, by flicking his cigarette at him, he just fucking flicks it and he just bursts into flames. Yeah, a hardcore death. For like a, a very zany movie, you know, <laughs> like that's that's wild. But yeah, very satisfying, but a very, very satisfying. satisfying death. And it's great because like it justified too. everyone saw everyone saw every bit of it. So, yeah. you know, like he's completely exonerated from everything. Yeah. And you think like everything's cool. Movie's pretty much over at this point. Uh, Ford gets off the stage. He sees Jazz in the distance and she's smiling and he's about to go to her. And Zuzu runs up to four and she gives him a big old kiss and then they cut back to jazz and she looks all butthurt like, oh, he's just the same old Ford Fairlane. He's going to get any punani he can get. And she storms off 
And Zuzu reveals like she's already met a guy at the club tonight that she's going to go on tour with and, you know, you know, tour like she's in love, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. And uh, and then Anus walks in the detective to kind of, you know, wrap everything up and he's just being a total douche. And Zuzu just fucking punches him in the balls and and he's. Well, no, Anus reveals he's he starts singing booty time, right? And that's when Zuzu punches him in the balls and he's like, booty time, booty time, booty time. <laughs> and then suddenly after that happens, Don walks up and and he and he goes, hey, are you singing the booty time? You know, and, and he's like, that was that was the best disc white disco song of the 1970s. Yeah, he's like, he's like, wow, what is it like? Disto, disco Express is the only white disco band, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, right? And so, so next thing you know, Anus starts singing Booty Time again, and they, that they kind of walk off in the sunset yeah, together. Don, Don's like, I'm listening, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. Like, even though Amos was kind of a foil yeah. for Ford, he still had a positive ending. It was, it's a very happy ending movie. Very happy I mean, ending, even yeah. though we have one more sort of big thing happening next, but. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, like, the, the Pussycat Girls show up, and they're with Sam, and they tell, mm-hmm. J- and then. And they tell Ford's like, you know, they tell Ford that Jazz is split, basically. And Sam, Sam's like very much like they're cool with him now. Like, like you get the sense that Sam really worked on himself, uh, you know, when, when he was in jail or whatever. But it's 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 kind of sweet. It's really sweet and not in a not like in a saccharine sort of way. No, but just it needed it. it again. All these little moments of sweetness that are in this movie really helps offset the the assholeness of Ford Fairlane sometimes. But we know at this point that it's it's like it's more of a persona. But that's yeah. that's what makes this movie great is you get both <laughs> the sweet and the sour. You know? Yeah, it, it it's really starting to wrap up into a very sweet way. Yeah. Even cueing, going back to Richie Sambora, they cue they, uh, they cut into the wind cries Mary, which is a great Jimi Hendrix song, but Richie Sambora covered it for the soundtrack, and it's a really good version of it. By the way, it's worth um, checking out on YouTube. And uh, so Ford Ford heads back home, kind of lamenting on how his life sucks and it's over, and gets back to his place and uh and smiley burnt there. out husk of a place yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. right <laughs> and smiley shows up and he's got a gun and he's gonna kill ford and ford wants to know about the ring on his finger that he saw earlier and smiley reveals that he killed some guy killed some guy in fresno uh and then that's when ford realizes that smiley killed the kid's dad yeah and yeah. so ford starts kind of recapping the movie to smiley which is really funny it's like a weird like yeah like kind of a montage recap in a way and he talks about how he just wants to fist fight smiley mano a mano right can, can i roll with this please, one? can please i do. take this yes. one so i i love it because he's just like he's like fucking this and fuck you know like just totally like into it where the point you know i always like this like when you even catch the person who has the gun sort of off guard they're kind of like you know waiting for you to freak out while you're freaking out yeah and he's like fuck it come on let's do this just fight me mano a mano let's do this and smiley's like all right any way you want it and he puts the gun down and pulls out this big fucking knife. Giant knife. Giant fucking knife. Like hardcore. Like that's not a knife. This is a knife sort of thing. And and Ford just starts laughing. He's like, 
you fucking idiot, man. And Smiley's like, what? He's like, you fucking moron. You put the gun down? What are you even thinking? And then, boom, he fucking pulls out his gun and just goes, blam, and fucking shoots the guy down, shoots Smiley down. It's fucking awesome. And this, of every single fucking thing from this movie, this is what I say. If something fucking works, I go, thanks for working. Thanks for being a jerk-off. Mano mano. What does that even mean? But, dude, I will... Dude, seriously, like, if something fucks up or does something and then I get it to work, yeah. I, I will say it out loud. I go, thanks for working. Thanks for being a jerk-off. Yeah, it's so fucking great, dude. Fuck, so dude. Great. It's my favorite fucking line from the movie, and it's at the end, man. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it's it. a perfect, like, button on the end of this, yeah. on the end of this movie. You know, yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's so it's so great, so great, and 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 Ford, but then it like cuts right back to Ford now being on the beach where the movie started. Yeah, where yeah that this now we've caught up to the beginning of the film essentially, yeah. or the first scene of the film. Yeah, the, the the beginning of the movie is actually the end of the movie, and now yeah. here he is, you know, nothing. He's depressed. Then the kid shows up, and and then he's he's like, I found out about your dad. He's like, where you know, tell me about my dad, and. He says, "No, kid, I'm your dad," and the and the kid doesn't believe him. He's like, "What kind of sentimental bullshit is this?" Right? <laughs> and uh, and he's like, "Look, your dad. He died, but before he died, he said he wanted me to take care of you." And that and that's cool. That's really fucking cool. Like, because because yeah. suddenly the kid and Ford are like tight. And yeah, like you don't need a whole, you don't need a five minute scene of like the kid going through emotions. It's like, well, okay, well now we're, now we're tight and it's all good. And then Jazz shows up on the beach. She drives her black uh, VW bug onto the beach for some odd reason. Yeah. And she's wearing the craziest 80s outfit like ever, but I think it's kind of hot. Not going to lie. Oh, it's super hot. Yeah. I know. She's got like weird high waisted skin tight not jeans but some kind of pants with with overalls that go over like a football style jersey thing but the pants and that front camel toe thing is just um, <laughs> my god jazz baby come, come on. on jazz come, come on jazz, jazz. <laughs> and so he he sees her and and he tells her he loves her and he's he's sick of it you know he's sick of everything and he's like i want you and and then, uh, and they kind of go back and forth for a minute, and they, then they, you know, they they start kissing, and you know, he says it's a beautiful thing. I love that. It's a beautiful thing. And then suddenly, you hear the the burnt phone from his from his house ringing, his house. <laughs> and he walks over and he picks it up, and he's like, "Hit Pater with Catered." And then suddenly, the the voiceover is like, "You've won a million dollars, all right." And suddenly, yeah. you're like, "Oh shit! This movie's oh, not shit. only ending on a happy ending." It's happening and ending on a really happy ending because he just won a million fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. And now it cuts from there. It cuts to this giant yacht and playing like somewhere beyond the sea. <laughs> yeah. And it cuts to Ford, but jazz uh, and Ford kissing and the kid next to them all like sunbathing and the koala. And I love this. This is where Ford like, you know, says, what you think we kill the wave when he's <laughs> the flocking. He goes, what do you, what do you, you didn't think we'd kill a fucking koala, did you? You know? Yeah. Yeah, flucking. And, the, and then the camera, yeah, camera just like helicopters back. Yeah, helicopters back and then cuts into this really kind of, 
I wrote down I'm like actually one of the worst songs of the movie. It's like some weird doo wop song or whatever. Yeah, and just like they yeah. saved that for the credits. They're yeah, like, fuck like, it, oh, we're gonna put that one that in the credits. For the credits. Cut back to rock, rock the Cradle of Love or some shit. Yeah, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. That would have been fantastic. But that is the Adventures of Ford Fairlane, the nineteen ninety dare I say little slice of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dare I say an island of reality in an ocean of diarrhea. <laughs> Bro, I I don't know what to say. I loved every minute of this movie, weirdly more so than I did when I was younger. And it's not because yeah. I, I, I got the jokes more or anything. I got everything the same as I always did, but... It just having that time away from the movie allowed it to kind of become mythical in my head. Yeah. And usually when that happens, you're a lot of times you're disappointed. Not always. I mean, this, the point of this podcast is is going back to to figure out if these movies are, are worth it or not. Right. And I truly didn't really think. I was going to love it as much as I did. I thought, I was like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this. This will be fun. You know, and I, I love the movie, and this is going to be a top 15, top 20. I did not expect to re-fall in love with this movie. It's almost like like when, you know, you hear about people who get married, they get a divorce, and then they get remarried again because they fall in love with each other again. <laughs> it's it's like this. It's like I literally re-fell in love with it, and bro, I, I want to watch it again right now like i am i am in love with this movie right now i am in love with it i can't that's the highest compliment i could give it man seriously it's funny from fucking beginning to end and it means so much to me this movie means so fucking much to me and i couldn't i I can't believe that it holds up as well as it does you know, I mean, that's just gushing. That that's not. There's nothing critical there. That's just me fucking gushing, really. Well, you know, I will say that, you know, we are not. We're we. You and I are both are not. Uh, you know, movie scholars by the the sense that we went to college and got you know a degree in literature or writing or whatever, some bullshit like that. Like in in, in movie movie reviewers for the past twenty yeah. years. But I do. I will say that you and I have a really good sense of like what is a good movie and what is not a good movie. And we've reviewed some movies on our cast that are great. And we've reviewed some movies on our cast that are not great. And we're straight up honest about everything. I will say personally, I think I can, I know when a movie is good and what makes a good movie. This is a good movie. This is a really good movie. And, and yeah, it's, politically incorrect but shit so is caddyshack like so is stripes there's a bunch of movies there's a bunch of comedies where they just push the envelope of like what is culturally acceptable quote unquote and it's not a big fucking deal you know um trading places about is about two white dudes betting on whether or not this black guy and this white guy can switch roles like the toy is about a racist fuck buying a black guy in a in a toy store to be the toy for his son masturbates like offensive movies exist and they're and some are considered great and some are considered not so great this is movie this movie has offensive moments but nothing nearly as bad as other movies that are in my opinion way more mainstream i love this movie 
I would gladly watch this movie again. It was, I will watch it 20 more times. I went as so far to buy the PAL disc version of this because the uh, outside cover is the original VHS art. So oh, I was like, God, I, I love that, that art. And I I'm love just, that and art. And I, I got it for like seven bucks. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this just for the sleeve. That's it. Because I love this movie so much. And will this get a Blu-ray release? Who knows? Possibly not. Now that Fox is owned by Disney and Disney wants to, you know, sanitize everything. But um, shit, man, like this movie had everything going for it. It's so fucking entertaining. You know, the movie, the ending is cheesy and it's a fun like cheese. It's just like, okay, well, yeah, everybody's it's it's all good at the end. A guy gets torched and everyone's laughing like not only not even a minute after it happens. You know, it's great. Our show covers exploitation films. This has elements of exploitation in it under the guise of a mainstream movie. This might be one of the most mainstream movies we've ever done. Believe it or yeah. not. And yeah. it is, it holds up handsomely. So oh. go out and fucking buy this movie, watch this movie. You know, we have no connection whatsoever to Fox and anything like that. Get it, own it. It's great. Enjoy. You're yeah, welcome. <laughs> I, I, I know we don't, we toy with like doing a, a rating system and everything, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I just say buy it. Just buy yeah. this movie. That that's my rating for it. Is, is this worth owning? Yes. Like yeah. like is Cyborg worth owning? Mm, maybe not. Yeah. Is Adventures of Ford Fairlane worth owning? Absolutely. And if if dude, if we can get one new person to appreciate the Adventures of Ford Fairlane, I will be ec- ecstatic. Dude, I'm 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 I want listeners right now. I want listeners right now, if you like this, if you listen to this episode and you've never heard of Ford Fairlane before and you go out and you get this movie and you enjoy it or you don't enjoy it, let us know, please, on Instagram, Facebook, other than Tony Arlington, maybe (laughs) our family members, do people, their fucking algorithm sucks, by the way. But yeah, I, don't uh, like, I hate Facebook. Outside I... of that, you know, on Instagram and Reddit, let us know about what you thought about this. Our review. Our review, probably this was the first review review we did where it was like two dudes talking about a movie. I think we did the same format. It's just a little bit different, and it was fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think doing comedies, it's going to be like this. Like, we talked about doing National Lampoon's Vacation and other you know, again, another offensive comedy. Um, who gives a fuck? Like, it was enjoyable. I had a good time. And I'm yeah. not drunk. And, I'm, you know. <laughs> You're like, yet. <laughs> yet. But, yeah, no, please, please let us know uh, feedback on this one. Because, yeah, this is our first comedy. And, uh, you know, when, when you track a horror movie or an action movie, you can kind of just describe what's happening. But with a comedy, it's all sort of based on the jokes. And we're having a good time talking about them. But, you know, let us know what you th- what you think. Um, but I, I do think 
we do enjoy branching off like this. So I think uh, uh, messing around with some 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 more cult comedies, I'm down, buddy. I am down for that. But that that doesn't mean we're gonna stop being horror. We're gonna stop being weird uh, teen high school exploitation films. You know, I mean, we still got Commando gonna come down the line yeah. soon. So we're gonna we're also gonna get into some action movies too. You well, know, yeah. So and it's, I, and, it's it's everything. And I have to say because. Because as you know, Corey and I do our blind bag reveal where we send each other a movie. And because of the just the time we live in and, and mail being really slow, I went ahead and kind of pre-sent uh, the next, my next three movies. This one being the first one and the next two coming in the mail. And so Corey... I I specifically instructed him how to open these envelopes, what to look for, what not to look for, which one is the next one, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Uh, I can guarantee you, folks, that that the next my next picks, the Zach picks, are very eclectic uh, and still fall within very much fall within the podcasting after dark pantheon, uh, if that's even properly used, <laughs> you know, because because <laughs> the whole deal, guys, is like. When we talk about these are for me personally, I, I, I very much take seriously and I know Corey does too. Like these are not these are movies that we were not allowed to watch. And while we we did Color of Night, which is a, which is a modern movie. Uh, I'm sure there's kids. Oh, color of night. I was like, color of night, color out of space. Sorry, color out of space. I keep <laughs> fucking getting that wrong. And I apologize. That is a very sexy Bruce Willis uh, yeah. sex movie, Jane yeah, Marsh. I remember there that. was like sex movies. And the other day I was thinking about this. Michael Pere, who I love. I love Michael Pere. This is a really yeah. weird digression um, from Eddie and the Cruisers. He did a shit ton of like these softcore, semi like Skinamax softcore porn movies where he was having, he was boning every chick in the movie. And I'm like, damn, there's a lot of like weird sex stuff going on back in the 90s. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> We might cover those. I'm just saying, um, or maybe not. Uh, but no, no, the, my whole point of this was like Ford Fairlane was definitely a movie that my mom was pretty adamantly against me seeing. She knew I was going to go. My brother Eric took me to the theater. Uh, but this this definitely falls within that realm of like, no, this is not a movie I think you should go see. You are not allowed to see this movie. Hence yeah. why we're reviewing it today. And it's go. it's so good. I'm and I'm so happy we did, man. It's everything I wanted it to be, and it's everything I hoped it would be. Yeah. So this this is awesome. I absolutely loved it. I can't you know. wait to watch it again. Seriously. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm actually gonna watch it. I, I I you know, my head was down so much of the time taking notes feverishly, as yeah. you do when you review movies. So excellent. When when you track the movies, yeah. When I know. you track them. <laughs> I cannot wait to rewatch this. Uh, like maybe even doing a Zoom with you and watching this shit, finding a way, you know? Right. This I know, is like I a party re- movie. This is movie like everybody's watching, laughing their ass off. Good yeah, times. I wish I wish I watched this one with you. Truthfully, I, I it's weird. We we've never seen this movie together. And again, like we said earlier, it's because even though even though we've mentioned it before, we really 
didn't latch on to the fact that we both love this movie until sort of recently. So yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I, I lament the fact that we didn't have the opportunity when we lived uh, within driving distance of each other uh, to actually watch this together, you know. So, but hey, you know what? We both have it in our collection. And uh, whenever I come down there to go to a convention or whatever, we're going to watch it. And whenever you guys come up here and uh, hang out, then we'll watch it uh, as well. Yeah, that's a that's a guarantee. Guarantee. And you know what else is a guarantee? You can find Zach <laughs> online on podcasts. I did not make that transition work. I tried <laughs> halfway through it. I was I was like, this wasn't going anywhere. Uh, Zach, buddy boy, Zachy boy, Zachy poo. Where can we find you out there in the podcast sphere? You can find me. On, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, but whatever. Um, you can find me on the Instagrams, Zach Schaefer, Zach Schaefer VO on Twitter. I also co-host a retro 80s podcast called $2 Late Fee, uh, which is a it's a little slightly different take. We don't break down movies, but we talk about a movie and a song from that movie from the 80s, early 90s. We also interview celebrities and actors, performers, musicians, etc., in fact, uh, we have currently, by the time this episode airs, we will have uh, Eric Roberts as a, an exclusive interview. Um, and That's insane. And I will say, too, like, like the, the, just to pitch myself a little bit to everybody out there, a lot of these guys that we have on our show do interviews with other people, and they talk about their careers. But my co-host Dustin and I um, do it in a way that, I don't know, it's a little bit different. I'm not comparing myself at all to someone like Howard Stern, but I think Howard Stern is one of the best celebrity interviewers and I admire his approach because it's very casual. We try to have a very casual approach. So sometimes stories get told on our shows that have never been told before, or maybe they are told before, but they're told in a different way. Uh, we interviewed Bob Romanus from fast times of Ridgemont high, Damone, Damone. And, um, he doesn't really do interviews that much anymore and he it was like it was like sitting having a beer with somebody and uh if you like that kind of approach then you'll like our show it's fun two dollar late fee find us on instagram i think it's two dollar late fee podcast or two dollar late fee dot com is our website so there you go yeah and we always uh, post your stuff in the the um stories and everything on instagram you guys are so good about that yeah yeah, oh, no, that's all right. But just spreading the love. I love your stuff. I want nothing nothing but success for my, my buddy over money, there. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. Oh, man, yeah. How, where, hey, Corey, uh, where, where, where can we find you? Yes, um, you can find me every week talking about Seinfeld on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast with our buddy Adam. So uh, good, you can find me, so good. So good, so good. <laughs> Cartwright! <laughs> you can find me uh, talking about comic books with uh, our pal Tess on the ongoing comic book so discussion good. podcast. So good. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and then occasionally, oh, I'm going to be on probably, I guess, around the same week when this drops, maybe the week after, uh, you'll hear me on the Blast From Our Past uh, podcast this month doing Aliens. We're going to so uh, get an episode. <laughs> so good. Going to get an episode out for Aliens Day on uh, 426. And uh, if you guys get a chance, that we still have one uh, couple more weeks left. You can listen to our Jeanette Goldstein interview. So good. Uh, 
So that is so good. Dude. That one's awesome. And it'll be free on the free feed until the end of the month. And then it will go back to being a Patreon exclusive. And then we'll bring another one out uh, out of the, the vault for next month. As you guys know, we always have one of the Patreon exclusive interviews out for free. So you guys can get an idea of what to expect behind the paywall. But if you do like what we do here at Podcasting After Dark, there is a whole bunch more over at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. And we have uh, a monthly freeform discussion show called Wrap Up After Dark because uh, while we love the format of this show, Zach and I kind of also wanted an opportunity to sort of just shoot the shit and have like a freeform fun discussion. Of course, we talk about, you know, Podcast After Dark related stuff, but we also talk about other bullshit too. Um, it's fun. And uh, you can get that at the $2 level. But uh, if you want to subscribe at the $5 level, you get our exclusive interview series and the other one as well. Like you'll get the, the everything under that as well. Um, and right now we have uh, shoot. We have Tom Matthews on there. We interviewed Brian Usna. We interviewed uh, Zach Ward who played Scott Farkas in a Christmas story. Uh, Tony Tempone, who was the longtime editor of Fangoria magazine from like the early nineties, all the way up to the two thousands, even and he worked in worked for them in the eighties too. So he's been with Fangoria forever. And that interview is just absolutely Fucking insane. He he is awesome. Yeah. Uh, we inter- Zach interviewed uh, Stephen Jeffries, who played Evil Ed. Uh, we interviewed the amazing Diane Franklin uh, for for Terror Vision. She was just the sweetest, most wonderful person. And uh, you know, like I said, got Jeanette Goldstein up there now. So uh, this month, pretty soon, at some point this month, I'll be dropping the uh, the John Philbin interview. So we talked to him about um, his role as Gideon in the New Kids. We talked to him. about about being in Point Break and, and everything else. So if you like what we do, go check us out on Patreon. Of course, everything will go towards, all proceeds go towards the show, keeping the show on the air, get, getting us to go mobile uh, to some con- conventions soon, maybe getting some merch up and everything. So we appreciate it. And we appreciate all the love and support you guys have already given us. And we do absolutely understand that times are tough. We too, we get that absolutely financially. Uh, a free way to help the show out, if if you want, is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely free. Takes a couple minutes of your time and truly goes a long way to kind of help us get in front of new listeners, basically. So if if you can, leave us a review. That's just a great way to help us out. So we, we love you. And we appreciate you guys yeah. so much. It makes us feel so it makes us feel good when, when we see something pop up. We're like, oh cool, people are listening and they're actually like taking the time to write something. I get it. Yeah. it. It goes down to like when you write a thank you note for when you get a gift, you know, uh, nobody really does it anymore. And when you do, you're like, oh, that was a surprise. So when we see a review on there, we're like, oh, you didn't have to do that. Thank you so much for doing it. It makes us feel so good. Talk about good karma points and spreading uh, good juju into the world. Exactly. Exactly. Like I honestly, I've uh, I've gone back to to note writing because I do I do agree. It is like it feels special because no one does it anymore. So sending thank you notes. We actually have a box of thank you notes here that we send out whenever applicable, and uh, you know our cards, thank you cards. Um, yeah. So so if you guys love us. You know, drop us a line. Let us know what you think. And again, like I said, we appreciate all the love and support that you guys have already given us. And thank you for all of that. 
And thank you for listening to this episode because uh, this was a lot of fun. We hope you had a good time and, you know, minus whatever this, like I said early in the beginning, this is probably going to be one of the raunchiest ones. And, and it was for sure. Uh, but I had a great time and love doing the show and love being with Corey and I love that you guys love this. Um, you guys have been super supportive of us thus far, whether you're a Patreon subscriber or not. And as as our good buddy Dirk Diggler said in Boogie Nights, we're going to just keep rocking and rolling. Fluck yeah. <laughs> and as we always say, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus... You get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers. So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool.